the windows open. Nice one. I'm good. You guys are in the evening, so. Yeah, I've got a yeah. pint of water and a pint of beer. You're in balanced, uh, balanced out. Coffee for me in... and, and beer. <laughs> press, press the brake and the gas at the same time. It's always good. <laughs> if, it's, if you don't smell the rubber, it's not working. You're in, you're in Ireland, is that right? I, I'm from Ireland, but I actually live in the UK. My my partner okay. is English. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think I realized that either. Yeah, we we live. Uh, we're kind of on the we're on the south coast. We live closer to France than we do to London. Okay. Yeah. That's that's you on our on our analytics. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never. Yeah. 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 I've, I've never managed to. I've been to Ireland and I haven't managed to get to the UK though. I fucking loved Ireland. It's a nice spot. It's so beautiful. Yeah. During the summer, I mean, during the winter, like where I'm from is like to be frank, fucking horrendous. Like you know, <laughs> it, like it's like Mordor, you know. Um, and, <laughs> but like in the summer months when it's when it is when it is bright when it is like sunny and the weather's nice like there's just i just don't think there's, there's any more beautiful place in the world i mean i mean i say that as like you know like a, a typical immigrant deeply, deeply <laughs> patriotic and defensive of his home country but uh but yeah no it's 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 a lovely place so lush and so green you know um and yeah it's just gorgeous back there during the summer the winter less so <laughs> i think Plus, i was i think we were there we were there in october it was actually the fall so it wasn't so bad and we made it to um noth is that what it's called oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Boyne valley yeah really yeah. like the, um i don't think we saw the main hill but the but another one of the structures that was yeah. like it was cra- the energy of that place was insane yeah yeah i mean that 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 place is is remarkable and it's 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 kind of strange because you hear an awful lot about like glastonbury and stonehenge but you don't hear the same amount about the the boyne valley like in ireland and that's that's insane that place you know like you know um yates i think it was yates but it was like a whole group of you know kind of anglo-irish um like protestant ascendancy mystics uh we tried to dig into either Nouth or Douth, I can't remember which one it was, looking for the Ark of the Covenant in like the 1800s. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Field yeah. trip. Yeah. Um, and Newgrange, um, that's the one with the kind of the quartz uh, walling. That's the one I went yeah. to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there's, there's some controversy around that, like because the quartz walling is a reconstruction. Yeah. Basically, when they excavated it, they found a whole heap of quartz, and an archaeologist interpreted that as being, well, it must have been a walled, you know, structure around it. Um, so there's a lot of controversy around that. Um, but it, it, yeah, it wasn't until like I think mid last century, um, that they figured out about the solar, um. Like the winter solstice, like the the, the solar connection, the alignments um, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, they didn't realize that at all. My my um, my great grandfather took some photographs in it in like the nineteen ten, or something like that. Oh, so. I bet you could just wander into it. At the, yeah, the you totally could. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's still some sites like that. Like um, when I was back at home, I was uh, the other week, I was in a a Bronze Age, um, uh, like stone fort like circle fort ring fort 
unbelievable though it's like unbelievable it was like 35 meters in diameter the walls are like eight foot thick 12 foot high um wow. there was nobody there no and like, people don't even know about it it's like it's called the kill cashel uh ring fort um and it's amazing like mm. just and it's like it's off like some like shitty road behind like the gaelic <laughs> football pitch you know like, we had to kind of stop and ask these ladies directions they're like it's it's across the football pitch but you can't go you have to go and like the directions were go up the hill till you get to the top of the hill and then you'll see a small left take the left stay on the left you go by some silage <laughs> it's like directions based on where farming machinery is uh, and then you'll, you'll find it and and yeah it was awesome like and there's like ogham stones in the area all kinds of like ancient stuff um but like it's in like this tiny town you really you really yeah. wouldn't blink and miss it and it's like people have been living there for thousands of years um yeah so there's incredible stuff like that you know just just potted around it but some of it you know if you didn't know what you were looking at you just you pile of rocks past it. you know yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah. yeah it's it's funny because i um and we, we did a whole it was part of a whole podcast we did but um i uh i was back in my home state of georgia and I went with a, a friend of ours to visit these like guide uh, stones and you uh, blew them up. Was that what happened? Yeah, we totally blew yeah. those up. A <laughs> couple of cherry bombs, couple 40s. Remarkably effective. Fuck, fuck the elite. <laughs> fuck them. No. Um, <laughs> that's for you, Ted Turner. <laughs> Charging me all that for the bison meat. Go fuck yourself. No. Um, uh we 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 found these like uh i had no idea these were there but there were these uh there was these effigies of these of uh one was called rock hawk and one's called rock eagle and they're from and it's crazy because there's a statement on the site where uh they're like uh when the settlers got there and they met the native american tribes yeah. the native american tribes told them like this was here before us wow like we don't wow so say so, and they so they dated it around like three four thousand years but right. we think i was like this thing is older than that it's wow. insane but but it's funny because like i you know you were talking about all the you know these sites in ireland and i'm like uh we don't have anything oh no we do we just there's like it's just our country's so young that we forget that there's all this shit we paved over yeah <laughs> it's like super old yeah there's there's, there's some really remarkable history I, I haven't read it yet but i know um graham hancock did a book um called like um like um, um, when like america before the flood what yeah something like, something like that i um yeah. and it's like um uh, who is it now it might be andrew collins last book um with gregory little i think is is the guy's name but it was like um the Denevisians or Denis Denevisians, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was talking an awful lot about kind of the the mound builders in America and kind of some of the huge these huge structures that would have been vast undertakings, you know. Um, and those are kind of glossed over, you know. Yeah. They're, they're kind of glossed over, but they're 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 huge structures. Like there's a big one here in the UK called um, Salisbury Hill, and it is nothing compared to the size and scope of of the stuff in in, in North America. Nothing. Like yeah, these things are vast. 
you know? I feel, I feel yeah, like his, history is like a, 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 a scab. And like, if you start just like picking at the corners that are like yeah. less, it, you, you just, you just keep going until you're like, you're just cackling maniacally and just yeah. like, no, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It's all yeah. just, it, it's all stories. Like <laughs> one sec, my kids are really loud. I'm just going to okay, tell them to yeah. shut up. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh he's getting a cudgel out it's uh this i don't think we should be seeing this <laughs> it's all right they've been dragged out by their mom it's all good <laughs> oh that's is that, is that worse or more merciful i think it's to be worse. honest they're way more scared of her than they are me <laughs> yeah the mom is always i am too yeah. <laughs> that's as, as god intended <laughs> Yeah, no, my uh, of of the two of the two of my parents, my mom was definitely the far more frightening one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it's 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 remarkable stuff. Um, I mean, I I find that stuff so so engaging and like a, I, I think I first got interested in that kind of. I've always been like a little kind of nerdlinger when it comes to archaeology and just ancient sites and. You know, my, my folks did an amazing job and they took us, myself, my brother, just everywhere, you know, in Ireland. We saw all the kind of old monastic sites, everything when we were, when we were very young. Um, but I remember getting like Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, some mm -hmm. of the archaeological anomalies in that. And then like Graham Hancock had a show in like the mid 90s in Channel 4. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, which was good. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, it was really good. I can't remember what it was called. Um, oh, that bloody door open. One sec. All right. Yeah. There we go. Sorry for this. Um, but yeah, I, I got to meet him in the end, actually. Which was oh, really? Oh, cool. really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I actually messaged him on on Facebook. You know, introduced myself, saying big fan of your work, and I had a link to my photography on it. Um, mm. and he messaged me back going really like your work can you tell me about digital photography and I was like yada yada and huh. I ended up kind of helping his his wife learn her new digital camera she's moving from film to camera she's a very good oh. f uh, yeah, film photographer um, that's so awesome yeah it was really cool I'm like <laughs> wow this is this is nuts right uh, and then it as it panned out I, I had just come back from Turkey but I hadn't mentioned this to him um, and I, uh, I was down in, in Urfa, or just Urfa as the Turks call it, and had like Shaklo Beki Tepe and Haran oh, and all wow. that kind of stuff. And then I mentioned it to him and he was like, what? <laughs> 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 um, and then like he was using, using some like Lobeki Tepe photographs in his presentations for a while. Which Whoa. they were yours? That's awesome. Uh, some of them were, and then it was his wife. Wow. Yeah, because they okay. went out like like six months afterward and and, and talked around. Um, but yeah, so that was that was really cool. That's that so cool. great. We, yeah. Just before you came on the call, Kurt and I had gotten into a conversation about how <clears throat> how much it means when, like, most of the time in life, th there really aren't that many people. I feel like if you're a good judge of character, there aren't that many people to look up to. Yeah. Or that many people to mm. like kind of hold in that high of a regard. Yeah. Um, but when there's someone whose work you really appreciate and they have like a decent character, uh, it yeah. really like they, there's something about it that just beams because it's so rare. And yeah. then even more scarce than that is the opportunity where they, they actually respond. 
Like you, mm. you take the chance and, and they actually like go, yeah, I see yeah. you. Yeah. I appreciate your work, you know, and like how much that can do just like in that little moment of recognition. And it, it can be like even just a really small thing, but when it comes from the right source, like someone that you're like, this actually matters from you, you know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really lovely. Cool. Yeah. It's a real measure of character. I think, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is. It's really nice. Really uh, it doesn't cool. always happen. <laughs> no, 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 you get shot down a lot. I think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, more totally. often than not. <laughs> I got, I got into like, um, I growing up in like kind of a Christian cult. Uh, I, I kind of like, I think it was, what was it? Uh, Zachariah Sitchin that got me thinking right. about stuff like yeah. that when I was like a late teens, um, 12th planet and such. And it was all very, you know, it's all through this materialist, um, nuts and bolts model but it was at least like taking the myth that i inherited and like blowing the fucking lid off of it and and turning it into like something else and shifting my my viewpoint and things like that um i didn't find out about graham hancock until honestly like two years ago and i I blew through a couple of his books immediately but they're dense they're they are they're they're really door stoppers yeah Yeah, (laughs) they're really dense Um, i actually really enjoy him on uh audiobook because he narrates them yeah and he's like he's got an excellent way of speaking yeah one of the first um i didn't actually put it on spirit box but i interviewed him um oh. because I, I i basically had a load of um i done a lot of astro ta- time lapse and i had that kind of all my globeke tepe sh- uh, shots but I, I was working i was doing kind of like a, a lot of freelance uh, photography and writing for and, and i was working for a weirdly based in the uk but i was working for a new zealand mag it was like their biggest biggest weekly and um so i was doing kind of like a bunch of just random stories and occasionally i pitched them and i was like oh I'll try and pitch graham's book <laughs> to them. and uh they, they went for it i don't know if they ran it in the end i don't think they ran it like um but because you, you find out about conservative shit really quickly about like you know what kind of narratives will go out in the media and what won't, you know? And yeah. like, um, so when I, I, I basically did the interview with Graham, wrote, wrote this pitch, uh, he very kindly agreed to do it. And this is like a long, you know, I don't know, maybe seven years ago or something. And like, I was trying to record Skype. I'm just been baffled by it. It was really difficult to do. And I was recording it on my iPhone at, at the time as well. And I have like a, a really like, it's so shit. The audio is so shit that it is even now I listen to it now and I'm just like I know I was just starting out but holy god how <laughs> you know uh, yeah um, we we got the, the yeah. we just kind of waltzed into the podcast scene when it's like oh you just pay for zoom it's just done it's done like you're, yeah. you're done you're fine you don't have to have like 17 rolls of duct tape and 40 connector cables from Radio oh, Shack. On like converters and all this kind of crap. <laughs> I, had, I had a mic plugged into a converter, plugged into my MacBook, that it turned out didn't work for a year. <laughs> oh, no. I, I was recording away going, why the fuck is this still not, I've done everything I've been told to do. And it turned out it just wasn't working. <laughs> I, I ended up with, like, thank God for USB plug-in mics, because I'd still be there, like, going, hello, hello. 
<laughs> I definitely did shit like like play through a whole a whole set with my band with my guitar turned all the way down. Things like that. <laughs> and like got and then everybody comes like, up and is like, this is the best I've ever heard you guys. It's amazing. It was so smooth, guy was tight. <laughs> yeah, it's usually really off. I don't know what I I'd honestly I would have just taken that as like a so drink more and do this next time. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny when stuff goes wrong with that. Like, and you, again, that's another one where, like, with podcasting, you can see people who've got patience and people who don't, right? And like, um, I think when I was recording with Aiden Walker for the first time, and he's a lovely, lovely guy, um, and just started was just chatting away and kind of asking questions, and then I realised I hadn't hit record <laughs> about ten minutes in. I was like, "Fuck," uh, you know, and. <laughs> But I'm like, I'm really sorry. I've just realized I haven't hit record. I'm so sorry. And just like started again. And, you know, and he was just really generous and laughing about it and kind of, you know, went over it again, you know, whereas like some of the people were like, dude, not that charitable with it, you know. I'm sorry. Could you just repeat all of that verbatim again? Yeah, yeah. But you got to make it sound genuine. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, just take from the top. Take from the top. <laughs> I believe in you. And just to be completely forthright, we, we're not recording any of this. This is just how we make friends. We don't have Kurt and I are actually just pretty lonely. <laughs> we really just have our wives. Um... <laughs> I mean, it's half true. <laughs> we are recording. We all know the truth. We all the know only the part. Drill. The only part that was a lie is we're recording. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um. Fargo, you picked you picked yeah. Fargo season one, and mm. I was very happy about that mm. because this is one of my I would say this is one of my favorite TV shows ever. Oh wow, uh, cool! It's yeah. uh, season two specifically, but yeah. all all four of them that have been made are mm. top notch um, crime drama comedy dark. Um, very clever writing and a lot of really interesting archetype play. Mm. Um, yeah, they're just phenomenal. I actually think that that this is a case of like the movie Fargo is wonderful, the Coen Brothers film. Yeah. But I almost feel like after watching through this show, it's almost like that <clears throat> that was like the seed of something greater. Yeah. The whole idea of characters that can be dealing with really, really difficult and traumatic things and still mm. be cutesy mm. um, and still have, and, and it creates this really interesting contrast, which, um, which I think they, they kind of just discovered in the film. But yeah. I feel like this, this, this series sort of, it's different people, but they're taking it to different levels and new places. And... I think they, so I've only watched season one. And and I actually thought season one surpassed the film for me. Mm -hmm. um, like and the, the the funny thing is when I when I first looked at it, you know, when I kind of was flicking through Netflix, um, I don't know, okay, let's let's watch this and commit to this. And immediately, kind of when I see um, Martin Friedman, I, I I'm generally just like, oh god, not him. Uh, <laughs> Because I, because I, I, I find him, I find him difficult to believe. Uh, oh yeah. 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 
because I just find his mannerisms are almost identical, irrespective of what role he plays. Yeah, you know? he's the grandmaster of fidget acting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he was great in the kind of in the in the UK office, but his character almost hasn't deviated from that a lot. You know. Um, yeah. But it, you know, and he started doing that kind of you know like the the Lester Nygaard uh, figure is that kind of fidgety, awkward. Yeah. The whole. Way. You know. Yeah, and yeah, exactly yeah. that kind of whole. That's that's exactly the mannerism, the way he kind of cranes his neck. Yeah, that was really you know, nice. I was like, Oh god. Um, yeah. All right, we'll give it a shot. I've heard lots of good things about it. Um, but the way his character developed throughout it, and when he becomes kind of you know, kind of fulfilled alpha, um, you know, uh, Lester, it was really one of the better performances I've seen from him. You know, and like he actually dropped all that kind of fidgety, awkward stuff, and he and he was like this assured person, you know, um, who was willing to kind of kind of risk it all. Um, but that was so that was great. But but the fundamental thing for me when I was watching it is I wasn't expecting all the esoteric symbolism and narrative being 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 tied through it. Mm. And kind of when it finally dawned on me that that was going on as a subtext, I was like, this is so well written and directed. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, genuinely, you know, when you kind of get that moment, where you're like, fucking nice one, lads. That is amazing. <laughs> like, you know, great effort. Um, Especially but, when it happens like halfway through the season. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. it clicks yeah. that you're like, oh, I'm in Treat World and I have half of Treat World left to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So I was, I was I was really impressed with that and kind of I've been thinking about it a, a, kind of a lot and kind of looking over kind of some of the, the, the key scenes in, in preparation for us having the, having the chat and um, I mean I'm probably over reading into it because obviously uh, you know the, the kind of the world yeah, that's that what we, makes it we, fun yeah <laughs> like the, the world that we live in is is you know coincidences are not coincidences etc etc <laughs> but um, they they the use of color, the use of silhouette, the scene construction, all of it, you know, I mean, one could argue that the the, 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 the director of photography's, you know, Damon was working overtime through him, but um, yeah, it, it, it's extraordinary, you know, um, and Billy Bob Thornton is amazing in it, amazing. Yeah. He's so well cast and he performs incredibly. The pacing of his language, you know, just his facial expressions, his presence, everything about him is remarkable in it. And he's utterly convincing in it. He really is. And like in a lot of ways he's he's kind of the for me, he's the kind of backbone of the of the, of the series. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He uh he's actually someone I'm usually hit or miss on. <clears throat> uh, like like I've liked him a lot in a certain yeah. roles, but I've also felt like a lot of the time he's kind of just being Billy Bob and kind of getting away yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. And this was different. This was, uh, he tapped into some deep stuff for this, mm. I feel like. Yeah. And um, I don't want to get too far ahead, but like some of my favorite, of, of this character type, some of my favorite moments uh, ever of, of the sort of predator that knows their predator and embraces that, which, yeah. which isn't, you know, you have a lot of times where there's the predator character, but they also are conflicted with guilt. Yeah. This is not that character. This is the character that has absolutely no scruples. They they look at being the predator as being superior and being yeah. um, like exalted yeah. uh, in a way. So mm -hmm. 
But but what's interesting is that there's also sort of this um, there's some internal code or honor because he doesn't just it's like when he meets uh, Colin Hanks's character, he could just kill that guy. And in fact, you see often like he doesn't give a shit. He'll just murder mm-hmm. anyone. But he has these encounters. It, it, Colin Does Hanks. He though? Well, I mean, Colin Hanks, the 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 Jewish guy that that was outside of Colin Hanks' apartment, where like it's you see him and he normally just like would just eliminate somebody. But for some reason, there's something that prevents him from doing that with but, those particular characters. But I think normally, okay. I feel like there are only maybe a couple times in the whole series where he kills someone where they didn't have it coming or it wasn't directly in his mind someone else's fault. Like the people in the elevator, he tells Lester that's on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in his mind, he's truly not responsible for that because Lester was the one that pushed the domino. Yeah. Um, and I think that he, uh, which I know we'll get into, but Derek pointed out this this symbolism involved with uh, like over our chat, um, involved with with this uh, Malvo character that's really really spot on after watching through it again um, because he he has this code like you're saying but the code is almost he takes out people who have it coming yeah Prim- primarily if yeah. someone gets in the way he gives them a warning first usually. And he almost has the thing against killing the innocent. It seems like he avoids it unless he absolutely has to. Yeah. Sorry, that was long-winded. I just, I just think it's you're like saying the code fan. I'm like, he doesn't just kill everyone though. You, he, it tricks you into feeling like he just kills whoever he wants. But if you pay attention, it's mostly people who are criminals. Even in the crime syndicate building, that's all, you know. Yeah, I think it's how he kills them that makes you think that he just kills anybody, because it's not you know he, he's not hiding himself as it were i mean there's, there's there's you know there's that scene where he drags the guy out by his tie yeah all the way past the security camera <laughs> goes him to the back of the car and, and and away he goes so he's he's acting with impunity you know he's acting as as, as if he, he cannot be caught and he acts that way um and i there's so much in it though because he's like the mysterious t- stranger who turns up in the town. And it's kind of an accident, right? The car crashes that he ends up in the town. And, and he's there, sat beside Lester at, at, in, in A&E after Lester gets cracked in the face by his school, you know, his his, his, his high school bully. And um, and they have that conversation. And and again, Billy Bob Thornton, is, he's, he's electrifying in that scene. You know, where he gives him the proposition. Yeah. You know? you want me to kill him you know uh, and there's something dancing about his eyes he's got trickster's eyes his eyes uh you know they just he's got smiling eyes and they in this role they're smiling but they're also got that there's a killer element in there you know and and again i, I was just blown away by how well and just how well he's cast and how fucking astonishing the performances from him you know because uh, for me he's utterly convincing you know uh, he really is um but yeah and then that symbolism runs throughout i was quite struck as i was thinking about this afterwards that the whole idea of the white landscape 
you know, mm. you've got the white landscape. And there's a whole thing as well where he's fighting, um, what was it, Mr. Wrench? They're going after each other, and mm. it's in the it's in the whiteout, and he tricks them, you know, to to appear like the other dude. Um, but I was thinking a lot about the, kind of the whole idea of the white landscape, the north, um, and you know that's an area that's been populated by kind of Scandinavian, I think it's Norwegian people, mm-hmm. particularly, right? Um, and there's a whole array of folklore around the devil being from the north. Um, but it's 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 his direction, and then the idea of kind of being blind in essentially light, you know, where you've got. I'm getting a bit deep now here, but like where you've got like the dark one who's also the shining one, you know, Lucifer is the light bringer, you know. So you've got the kind of black and white dichotomy all the time, right? Um, which is put into that 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 film, uh, that that series. And then that scene that we were we were discussing about um, when Malvo kills everybody in the lift, and then just stands and is silhouetted, um, where he's the dark man, you know, the who is an emanation of of Lucifer, the you know the the from the witch's Sabbath, the dark man who turns up all the time, um, but the bit that kind of really struck me when I was looking at it. And it was only after we were chatting about it um, <laughs> that I went back and I was looking at it and I was like, what does that remind me of? And I was like, oh shit, it is the statue of Pazuzu, you know, <laughs> uh, where the kind of the splashing of blood on the wall makes a very similar shape to the kind of the wings that um, Pazuzu has. It's it's so, so spot on. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because, okay, I, I guess it'd been maybe a year and a half since I watched the, this season, um, maybe two years, and it didn't click the first sight. You sent me that, and I'm like, yeah, maybe. And then I start watching it, and I got like three episodes in, and by the time I it had clicked how they were setting up the archetype this time, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, nah, yeah, you're right. Like you're you're so right. Like I had to go back and look at the picture again, and I was just like, "That's an angel of death if I've ever seen yeah. one." Like, and and, and who is <clears throat> Pazuzu? Lord of Fevers and Plagues, as mm. William Burroughs called him. But um, he he's a Mesopotamian wind demon, mm. and is famously the um, the possessing entity within um, the Exorcist. So you know ah, when you get the okay. statue when Father oh. Marin is in is in Iraq, yeah, and and there's a statue that's Pazuzu, that that okay. that is the, the the being across from him. I didn't make that connection. Mm. Oh, is he supposed to be of the winds too? Um, probably. I mean, it's associated with the jinn. Whenever you kind of hear about okay. wind demons, like there's, there's a jinn association, particularly from the region that it's from as well. Because there is this kind of bizarre quality with Billy Bob Thornton's character, Malvo, where he's just sort of, he sort of drifts from one thing to another. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. he does, like the, the whole the whole plot with the grocery store guy, which is, seems to be just, he's just there to cause misery. Like he doesn't even, I don't even think, he doesn't give a shit about the money. Like yeah. that doesn't even follow up. Yeah. And in fact, the guy <laughs> like puts it somewhere completely wrong. Like, I don't yeah. even think he shows up to the meeting that they're supposed to have. And it's just it just seems to be about making that guy's life miserable and then killing the dude the like fitness instructor guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. 
like yeah. it doesn't yeah the, the the actual the money the payoff is the excuse for him getting to do it like that's the justification yeah. like if i'm a professional then i get to do all these things but i'm really the agent of chaos yeah, like yeah. He, he, you know he comes to correct collect the receipts you know and it, it's i've been thinking about this this whole this idea of kind of rebalancing the scales kind of a, a lot and where you have kind of like if if we if we suppose that there's two opposing forces broadly right order and chaos and then you have kind of like positive order and you've got negative order you know your your positive order is your your you know your hero who 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 kills the monster and brings peace to the land right but eventually the hero becomes old he becomes a despotic king and we get into chaos, we get into evil order, you know. Yeah, that's when his grandkids realize that that evil yeah. thing he killed was actually just the land spirit, and like, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And then you have kind of like you have chaos good come along to kind of you know to to spin the dial again, you know, um, where and that's what I kind of think Malvo <coughs> is a lot. He's he's chaos good in a lot of ways, yeah, um, and. You know, the, then, and you know, in, in another way, and in another story, can drift into kind of chaos evil, or which stage then the hero takes him down. I mean, in this stage, kind of Colin Hanks is the hero because he's starting to go into just killing everybody at the end, right? Um, so I think that's a very rough model, but it's if it, it feels to me how the kind of the changes that we when we look at it from chaos and order, that's the kind of the the tipping of the balance in, in a lot of ways. Um, well, it's interesting, too, if you think about uh, the actual effect he ends up having on the main character's lives. It's yeah. like like him coming into their world creates this beautiful family that wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's so I think that that chaos part is a really important point. Um, mm. I also think the 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 devil part, very, very spot on. Like if you think about the first conversation they have. That is a spirit pact. Yeah. He's sitting there saying, I need you to say it. Yeah. It's like, I need you, I need you to say it. I can't go do the thing for you that you I know in your heart you want to do, even mm. if you can't say it out loud. That's like how people make pacts and agreements subconsciously yeah. or without meaning to. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> yeah, that right that's there. Done. It's yeah. just the live yeah. action version, you know. Mm. No, I, I I agree completely. And um, it <laughs> It's interesting as well because, like, Lester, he has it all, right? He has it all. He's not when they're in Vegas before yeah. the elevator stuff. He has everything, right? He's got his, 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 his. He's gone from that kind of like the 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 horrible, destructive wife who denigrates him at every moment, who's having affairs on him and just humiliating him, <clears throat> and he goes to his kind of his ideal wife, you know, who who supports him, who's there with him, uh, and and celebrates him and he fucks it all up by yeah. pushing it too far so it, and, and it is you know when when you know when Malvo kills everyone in the lift and he goes that's on you but he's also telling him that like what's about to happen is also on you yeah because you've just pushed it all too far you had everything you were good you yeah. won yeah you yeah. won you got away with all this yeah yeah like he managed to like this this angel of death is on your side somehow mm. he sympathizes yeah. with you yeah and like yeah. you ran into him again and he's gonna let you just go 
Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It... And I'm bearing in mind that like Malvo knows that Lester tried to set him up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He doesn't care. No. Right. But he pushed it too far. And and I found it really interesting is that you know, spoiler alert for those people who were like Oh, we don't do that. Yeah. We don't even bother with this. Yeah, good. I mean like <laughs> it, it's just a story like it's not gonna make it any any less of a good show yeah. when you watch it. It's not gonna and if you care that much, fucking listen to the left episode later. Like Yeah, 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 totally. It's not on us. <laughs> but when 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 Lester falls through the ice at, at the end, I mean for me that's him going to the underworld. Oh, very yeah. nice. He's pushed it too far and he's now he's submerged and he sinks to the underworld. Hmm. You know. And he may be in a case that he may go on there anyway, but I don't know. Um people can that's, still strike a bargain and get away with it. That's so awesome. That's so yeah. awesome. We literal literal I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, I, it's 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 funny, he's like his guardian demon at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> where he's he like is. Yeah. Like it only up. changes when he mistreats his his demon. Really. Yeah, this is it. and it's a very traditional view of the devil. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at it as like the king of the earth, ruler ruler of all of of this dominion, you can negotiate. You got to do something in exchange, whatever that might be, um, and then you know figure it out from there, or or you know. It doesn't have to be a deal. It can just be kind of doing a job that that it slash he wants done, you know, for whatever reason. But he pushed it too far, and um, it's kind of an unwise thing to do. Uh, it, it even goes deeper too, because sometimes the devil needs to get business done because it's important business. Yeah. And sometimes the devil is doing shit just because it's it's, it's amusing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's very present there too. Yeah, it is. The trickster bit is is amusing. You know, there's a wry sense of humor there. I also think yeah. even further, the so what he's doing with Lester, the reason he's befriended him is because he sees an opportunity to create a new predator. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's yeah. how the devil reproduces. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't have like tangible babies, so he's got to yeah. make other devils through yeah. bargaining and experience. Mm-hmm. And he creates another devil and he's proud of him and so he turns on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's really because he's a predator to the end, and that's that's what I was saying. I didn't want to get too far ahead, but whatever. That is one of my favorite death scenes ever on film. Mm-hmm. Is is um, um, yeah, what's his face? Uh, Billy Bob dying. Mm. Like the fact that he gets shot and he looks like he's he's gone, mm. and he gets back up. And there's just pure intent. There's no yeah. pain or remorse mm-hmm. or worry for his own life. Yeah. And it is the same as if you had like shot a bear several times, and it got back. And it, it, it's yeah. just so, so perfect. And, and it's dramatic in a totally different way than I'm used to seeing scenes portrayed of violence, where there wasn't a bunch of blood. It was just like his face gets sort of deformed from the shots. Mm-hmm um but he's still moving so yeah. <laughs> like it gives you this um 
this twisted unsettling like you don't quite get to deal with death in the comfortable violent way that you're used to it's like a little less grotesque or a, a little less like bloody but more grotesque uh hmm. and he's so unfazed by the pain and by the the wounds that it, it like it really sinks in like he is pure he's like pure wolf he's pure predator yeah yeah. And it's there's something really beautiful about it, like because those those creatures do exist and need to exist um, for whatever reason. Like mm. what, what, we wouldn't have any stories without them, I guess. And in yeah. my mind, he's just Absolutely. pretending to be dead the entire time. He's just he just gets shot. he's just like I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna play along now. I'm just gonna stay dead for, for just a little bit. <laughs> season five, they're coming back with him. Season five. <laughs> <laughs> he just digs himself out out of the out of the coffin or wherever the hell they throw him. Yeah. Love it, I love it. I mean, I, I, there's a, there's a great that great scene in the diner where he gets the apple pie and he's like, I haven't had apple pie that good since at the Garden of Eden. It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was actually the scene where I was like, hang on a second here, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> That's a little bit out of place. That line. What's going on? <laughs> There were a couple other things like that too. I just can't remember what they were now. He he had a couple other uh, references like that that were pretty on the nose. Well, the powerful one at the start, which I think you were talking about, Kurt, the one where Colin Hanks' character stops him, you know, um, and where he just kind of, you know, rolls down the window and kind of tells him, you don't want to do this. And he gives him yeah. that little... Um, that speech about you know, you know the areas in the map that say here be monsters, you know, mm. while they're still monsters, you know. Um, I mean, he's literally telling us, you know, I am a monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, it, we find out in a sense that he means that quite literally. And he strong arms our eventual hero into a bargain in that scene. Mm. Like that's yeah. a spirit bargain. That's a yeah. Like this is uncomfortable and I'm afraid. Mm. So I'm going to allow you to remove some of this agency and some of my backbone mm -hmm. to preserve my feeling of safety. Yeah. And in this, whoa, is that a flash of lightning outside? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Moody. Uh, Ron Brandt, Ron Brandt. Um, but he, he, um, he says like, you know, go home to your daughter. You know, think about that. Go home to your family. Go home to your daughter, and because he has takes that choice, and it's one you can tell he doesn't sit with him. Well, he feels ashamed. He feels weak for for doing it, and and you know he he takes a bit of a kicking from some colleagues when they kind of realize that that's how things pan panned out, um, and he redeems himself in the final scene, right? Yeah. But in the interim, like he does end up with a family. He ends up with a relationship. He ends up with a new child. So he kind of gets everything he wants from that exchange as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's mm. we okay, so dabbling in um not dabbling really, falling very, very sincerely into the current of uh Thai occultism and those talismans and things lately and all of Jinx's work and um, it's become really obvious to me through that uh, that we we're just really dumb like we've lost 
the we have we have essentially a uh, sort of capitalist mindset, um, a um, self-first um, transactional mindset ingrained into how we look at our practices. And it's and it's like very deeply ingrained the same way that Christianity is ingrained in our entire culture, even if you're not a Christian. Right. Um, and there because there are lessons embedded in embedded in like interacting with the amulets, the Thai amulets and and those practices that are hidden. They're embedded. They're like secret lessons that teach you about yourself. <clears throat> and I've always noticed that those exist in Western practices as well. Um, but I think we just sort of miss it. Uh, I think we were trained to think of things as more transactional. I no longer remember why I'm saying this or what I was bringing it back around to, but. <laughs> That's a podcasting skill. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it has something to do with the fact that like, so Malvo's sort of, well, he he's well because there's two meetings he has with Colin Hanks, and the second one is when he when he tells them the like shades of green thing, and he's like, when you have the answer, you'll see me again or something like that. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, and and it's funny because it's almost like I feel like that's him, like he knows that Colin Hanks' character is destined to take him out. And he has to set it up somehow. Or, or, I don't know. There's some quality to that. It's just, it's like, that's the flip side to him for what he did to Lester. Yeah. Like if you look at the shape of that, it's, um, I'm providing you with a riddle. Mm. I am giving you a chance to best me. Yeah. That's essentially what a riddle is, is I'm providing you the chance to best me. And he doesn't give that to anybody else, I don't think. And he gives it no. to the one, the one person that actually does take him out. That's really interesting. And what's interesting is the only reason he gets the answer is because he's let go at the beginning so that he can meet uh, his his future wife. Because mm -hmm. she's the one that tells him that, that gives him the answer to that riddle. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's the reason he has the gumption to actually murder yeah. Malvo and, and stop being a police, lose his job. Yeah, like he chooses to be a a good man rather than a good officer, sir. Yeah, um, and that yeah, that's fascinating. I did not connect that before. That he's provided the open door. Then, yeah. So that's what I, that that reminds me. What I was getting at is with these lessons built in. It's like even if you don't get the thing you asked for, you get something that teaches you about yourself that is more valuable. And yeah. in, in Buddhist philosophy, you're trained to look for that, right? Like you're always, you're always actually hunting and hungry for those lessons and you appreciate them as lessons. And we literally mark them down as like a failure in our magical notebook. Like, like a lot of people in the West will be like, didn't get the results I wanted. Nope, try something different next time. Instead of like, how does this reflect? How do my desires and my expression of those desires and how they reflected back on me. Like, how does that all mm. play out? And so with, with like, um, you know, Colin Hanks' character, I think that that's a really significant sort of shape. And uh, yeah. And also he, if he had gone for his gun in that first scene, he would have died. 
he yeah. wasn't ready you know like he wouldn't have been ready and and it, it is that kind of thing that 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 failure kind of haunted him that he had to the weight of dealing with the failure you know the weight of of wanting to you know be there for his wife and make her proud of him you know and also readdress um what had happened earlier probably gave him the the resolve to go after malvo the way he did at the end he wouldn't have pulled it off at the start he wasn't he wasn't a developed individual you know which is i think as well which, what what you're describing is that like our, our actual failures uh, provide us with the, the protein to grow you know um it's a really important thing actually because we have this whole mythos in the west of like success is a linear, linear thing mm-hmm. and it's batshit bonkers it's, <laughs> it's not like yeah. it's not remotely that you know and, and most people don't really realize when they've been successful Right. You no, know, kind of people kind of it out to them, you know, or yeah. or success is 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 singularly measured in monetary terms or in terms of acquisition, you know. Um, you can see it online. People measure value in terms of how many followers they have, you know. It's like, so. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. like, uh, but. But be, but beyond that, like it is, it is, it's it's. He's pushing buttons to make people evolve, and I you know and I think what's his name the the, the kind of the Greek shopkeeper, or the the guy who owns the the store. Yeah. You know, how it starts off that he finds the money by the road side mm. again, again like it's a freak incident, you know, and, and one that has the fingerprints of 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 the dark man in there, you know, um, <laughs> and. It twists him with his success. He becomes this kind of, you know, the bloated king. Um, you know, he inherited the kingdom by 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 luck. He's built it up, but he's become this bloated king, you know. And and it feels very biblical that he hasn't mm. he hasn't managed his reign effectively. So the dark one comes in to... to you know, cross the T's and dot the I's. Uh, uh, and again, it's the funniness of it as well. That's the one thing I always see as the fingerprints <laughs> of the devil. It's like, he's a great comic. Sick humor, yeah. Yeah. My 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 favorite thing about that whole situation is that he's delivering the plagues to the guy, right? He's delivering all these, like the Egyptian yeah. plagues. It's like, the, but the last one just happens by accident. <laughs> that's the thing that's yeah. the thing is that's the point where you as the as the viewer realize that you aren't just drawing parallels like you're not just like oh he's kind of like the devil devil yeah, yeah. like at some point it clicks and it's like well the fish fell from the sky the sky and yeah. his fucking son dies yeah because yeah. of the fish and that has nothing to do with malvo as far as materialist explanations go but if you go a little bit further then you're like okay so malvo is is something other than human 
but he might even believe he's human and that might be necessary for him to fulfill the role yeah or something yeah yeah, yeah. like he's some kind of an emanation yeah like in kind of an incarnate emanation or even a human who was possessed by something who yeah. you know yeah. like demanded a presence in the like i mm. have to be in the world now and this is the most apt vessel mm. or something yeah it's lovely stuff you know it's, uh, it's really good one of the things that i've been thinking about a lot though is is how you know when i say archetypes i don't think about them as being part of our 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 being our makeup you know i think of them as external things yeah um um conscious in some way that we're not really able to understand but i think about how they play with us and influence us to tell their stories yeah you know, there there's a constant drive for human beings to express archetypes in all forms of art um and i think this is i think this is one of those cases because it's such a well it's such a well-written piece either that or, or or the um the author is um extremely well versed in in the, in the kind of the, the folklore of the devil you know um but equally what's the difference being extremely I don't, well there isn't folklore. one yeah. yeah i don't i don't think so i think like the because it's it's like the what is it what's the term with wine terror terror uh you know like the the soil that influences the flavor right so yeah. like you know I, I think it's like that's that's how the archetype archetypes come through is that like right. it's it's a blending of like sometimes you don't even know as someone who's like written things before you don't even know what it's about or what's emerging until like after the facts oh yeah. yeah 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 totally yeah uh, I got there's that flow stage and there's the you know, uh, where it's just coming you know whatever it is and then when you're trying to switch that on and you're like, I, I haven't got a bean <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, some, sometimes you can, you can kind of knock on the door and you might get somewhere, but it, it can be very difficult. Um, yeah. Cause creativity is a very strange thing. It's a really strange thing. Like, uh, yeah, it's something I probably think too much about really. Yeah. I think it's, it's something that would be difficult to think too much about because it's, it's so fucking fickle and mm. it can behave differently at different times. Like it, mm. it'll, uh, you'll think you get a beat on how it works. So you can like reverse engineer those moments of brilliance, mm. but it does not ever work that way. It's almost like the harder you try to pin it down, the, the, the wilier and slippier it gets. Yeah, it is. And there's also the physical payment as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you get that kind of burst of creativity, you know, when you like, you're like, okay, I'm just motoring you might do like for me you know, I might just bosh out a couple of thousand words one day amazing oh, I'm just, if I keep this trajectory you know <laughs> I'll be I'll be I'll be done in a month and then I'm flat for like two weeks got nothing yeah you know I'm exhausted I had um I was working on a piece um a couple of weeks ago and I had a strict deadline on it and 
I had to like just turn over an awful lot of words um, on top of kind of like my day job. And I was able to do it. But at one stage, I had a headache so bad that I, I had to go to bed, right? And I was stuck as well. I was like, I don't know where I need to go, you know? And it was one of those ones where I was like, okay, look, just just tell me, but can you stop squeezing my head? <laughs> <laughs> like, just take it handy, right? We'll get there together, right? But just stop beating the shit out of me. Can we do single file, maybe? Yeah, 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 totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Instead of this bottleneck shit. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I was like reading a lot of young stuff about the whole thing about being in the grip of the daemon, uh, and and it's interesting. He's got some remarkable stuff that he's written about it. I mean, I mean, I, I know most occultists we all turn to young, right? You know, we're like, you know, that's the one. Um, but he had that whole thing where he was just saying, like, I'm paraphrasing badly now, showing that I don't understand him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, somebody somewhere going, that's not. You don't, know, you don't know what you're talking about. It's always that person. Fuck that person. I'm a classically trained. <laughs> yada yada yada. Actually, they don't. They don't actually listen to our shows. Yeah. Good. Yeah, this we, 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 we don't want Fuck em. you, young dude. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> somebody needs to change that yeah, guy. Just know somewhere in a podcast, three dudes are slagging you off right now. <laughs> but like the, that, there's there's the payback that that highly creative people have some way to self-medicate what's going on you know because they're sucking that hose pipe you know um, and that comes out in all kinds of addictive behavior all kinds of rational shit mental health issues you know um, all that kind of stuff I mean, I'm painting broad strokes here but people will relate in, in what way they see fit <laughs> well I'm in this picture <laughs> <laughs> but um, and he, he spoke to, one of the quotes, I, I can't recall the exact words, um, but it was something along the lines of, you know, I, I kind of haven't had a free will, really, because I've been pushed to do this. It wasn't my necessarily kind of my idea. It was just kind of, you know, you, you get put in a car, you know, you kind of wake up on the highway in a car, go and drive here. And you're like, you got no choice. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, that's the way it is. Um, and I think there's, an, I think there's, a truth to that in some degree yeah yeah it, and like the other like another way to think of it is like you wake up one day and then there's like just a pile of stones in your house and it's like this needs to be a castle and yeah. it's like uh okay i guess i'm gonna have to do something with this otherwise it's just gonna yeah take over my whole life and be in the way the whole time yeah and it is this like compulsive uh nature and that, that's really interesting to hear him say like oh i don't have free will about this because i'm like yeah, huh, yeah i kind of get what he's saying yeah, yeah uh, that's it's kind of like there's a wave coming would you like to mm -hmm. and like a little screen pops up and you have to press a or b button and it's like drown or surf yeah yeah <laughs> those are your fucking choices but it kind of is that isn't it, it it's it is kind of like you know you can burn or you can do this the choice is up to you you yeah. know because or you can like opt out and numb yourself and then someone else will yeah. do the cool thing that you could have done. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Because that idea yeah. is going to be born. Totally. You're going to suffer either way. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's very strange stuff. And, and one of the things that I found, which I wasn't really aware of, is, is that the, 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 con the, the whole daemonic concept 
in terms of that kind of the the creative influence where you call like you know the the angel on one shoulder the devil on the other like like setting aside kind of what patrick harper is talking about where some of these things materialize and and, and um you know manifest in some way which malvo could be you know um but the same concept exists in in islam in the kareen the jinn kareen you know the who who comes into to the world with you when you're born you know and, and that's the one who will possibly inject bad thoughts into you possibly will inspire you all that kind of stuff in like the evil demon uh, i think a yeah. would call it right? yeah yeah totally uh, or it can it can flip-flop back and forth between the two um oh, fascinating. yeah yeah and um within like a teacher uh, yeah well exactly <laughs> yeah. it's because you learn stuff when you get your you know when you get when you get a kicking you learn stuff right yeah um the same concept exists within within gaelic tradition like the, it's the it, the co-walker is what the, the word translates as into english mm. oh that's cool you know? yeah like uh, you know and i and I, I i would hazard that like to degree the concept of the the, the higher guardian angel um the holy guardian holy guardian angel sorry um is a similar a similar thing you know um who knows it's it's really interesting studying the thai stuff um there are so many analogs to stuff we have really cool where um but the thing is like their magic is better uh <laughs> like i mean like one thai talisman is 10 times better than anything i've ever had from a western magician wow that's so cool i mean 10 times and but they're they're, they're tapped into lineage magic that's you yeah know, who knows how old they they don't actually even know how old but um, fuck, I forgot where I was going again. I've got a couple of those, um, you know, the, the Buddha talismans. Like, you know, oh, they like, the glass. Yeah. Yeah. I got one of those, like, when I was, I was in Thailand, like, oh, I don't know, 12 years ago or something. Huh. Like, I was, uh, I went kickboxing for a couple of months. Yeah, oh, Thai Muay Thai? In Chiang Mai, yeah. Very cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just basically got the shit kicked out of me for two months, to be honest. Like, <laughs> pretty much it, like. <laughs> Uh, I think that's generally how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> whenever the brangs rock up, yeah. No, well, it's time for you to get your ass kicked. Uh, but it, but it, it was it was an, an awesome experience. Um, not so much the ass kicking, but you know, broadly, the whole thing as a package uh, was was really cool. Um, and yeah, those everybody had amulets. Yeah. So, yeah. And essentially, the kind of you know the, those like the 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 same kind of like the protective tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yaksan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that stuff's been absolutely blowing my mind. But there's there, there's so many there's so many analogs to things that we have here, but there's something about when you're holding one of those talismans made by like a top ajarn. Yeah. That. And then you read what it's made of and you're like, actually, I could almost do this. You know, like right. there's something so amazing about that and, and seeing um, that's what it was. Something you said reminded me of the, the analogs because there's, there's something they use that reminded me of what you, something you mentioned, but they, they have, 
you know, they use seven graveyards and seven seven temples, like soils from each. Right. And that, like, you see that in Hoodoo, you see that in um, in several different traditions that yeah. we are we are aware of. Um, but what's really cool is it explains it's like that's you're actually like sewing together the guardian spirits of all those places into mm. one spirit. Um, awesome. And there's all this like little logic stuff in it. That, so like, I, I I still feel like I I wish I could remember why I'm talking about this, but I think that the the concept of uh, taking these things deeper and hearing the logic while feeling the results, mm. like being like it works this fucking well, amazing. And then looking at the logic, it almost makes it easier to come back into our own system and and look at um and see like what really makes sense and what maybe doesn't or maybe was added or maybe confused or something like that right right um god i wish i could remember and tie this back around it would be so triumphant now if <laughs> after all these years like <laughs> but no no what, what i find really startling is just the commonalities you know yeah between so many traditions like um like like some of the stuff with 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 gin is is identical to it's identical to fairy lore it's identical to fairy taboos um like gin sorcery is i mean it's unsurprising really because you know like western hermeticism like comes from essentially you know or is massively influenced by Middle Eastern yeah. um, magic, but like you know, they're, they're like there's seven Jinn kings that rule over days. They're they're associated planets. They have their associated angelic rulers. They're associated with uh, colors. They're associated with metals, all that kind mm. of stuff. You know, it, it's it's all there. You know, um, the black and white thing is is also there for kind of like Iblis, the 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 Islamic. Lucifer, Samuel, the you know the the kind of amalgam figure, like a couple of his titles also mean like Al is like the father of bitterness, and oh. and then another one is like is like Lord of Lord of Light or it's white. You know you get the stuff where he's like his his countenance is black but his title is is white, and that this is where you get these with these dark figures all the time. You know mm. like Lucifer is like darkness, the shining one. You know where you have the light comes from the darkness and the darkness you know has the potential for or the, or the light has potential for darkness so it, it's they're enfolded um within each other and, and it becomes this whole thing of like within within all the narratives around those particular high level entities you have you're being told about oh. non-duality like you're being told that in the spheres above this world, how we bifurcate reality into good, bad, black, white, and, and, and so on and so forth is just an illusion so we can understand this existence. That's it. But it's mm. telling us all the time through stories and names that mm. that's an illusion that will pass. You see the folklore all the time. You know, the heroes, the heroes need to get to the well or whatever it is, they need to prick, you know, pick an apple from the sacred tree. The sacred tree is is guarded by an old crone. 
an old hideous, hideous, ugly crone. And then each of the heroes in turn go to her to ask for the apple or ask to take a, a you know drink from the well to bring back for the quest or whatever it is. And the heroes who are the strongest, the biggest, the fastest, you know, the most noble, each in turn will turn their noses up and go, I'm not doing this. And then it'll be the young one who's got potential but is seen as the weakest or they're the newest and all that kind of stuff will go, I'll kiss you. And kisses the crone. And as he kisses the crone, she turns into the most beautiful maiden ever seen. Like, it's the same thing. You see the same themes again and again and again. Mm-hmm. That everything is enfolded in one. You know, it, it's... it's um. You know the, the the truth is in our folklore. Like our, I think John Moriarty talks about the idea of dream time a lot. You know, and and I see our folklore and our mythology as kind of our dream time history. You know, um, whereas we've in the West, you know, we've taken a, like a, a metaphysical beating over the last few centuries. You know, from the Enlightenment through the Industrial Age and to kind of the age of rationality and the age of scientism, we've taken this, 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 just, just absolutely had our our our, our metaphysical beings and our souls ripped out of us. You know, uh, and we we've, we've suffered terribly as a result. You know, it, it's the foundation foundation of 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 most of the atrocities. That have happened in, in in our world because we've removed the idea of a universal soul from everything. How come? How could you pollute a river if you believe there was a spirit in it? You know. Yeah, if it's your literal ancestor. Totally, but also you'd realize you are the river. The river's <laughs> you. You know, and I think we're I think we're entering a phase now, and we're going through a rough period. We're going through a rough burst, but. <laughs> I think we're we're at a stage where we've had to, and this is you know to your point about you get the failing to learn the lesson, and I think we're getting to a point now where we're matching our kind of our logical mind, which has been in the ascendancy for the last couple of centuries, while our our kind of mythological mind or our mystic mind has been dampened down. It's coming back up. But now we're in a position where we've got a logic mind to match the mythic mind. It puts us in a different position. And I think this is where we go forward uh, as as a culture, as a species, where we, we, we're coming in, becoming something new that has the potential for something new. But this is where we go back to that model of kind of like, can chaos good, you know, tip the domino away from order, you know, order evil. Because we're in kind of order evil now, right? Well, for my for my my shitty model, uh, no, <laughs> and I, I literally I, drew on a napkin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely in a downswing. Yeah, what is it? But it's part of the birth process. <clears throat> yeah, I I, I I hear what you're saying is almost being like a. Can we together transcend our fear of darkness and not and do and duality and like transcend duality um, in a sense, not in some like uh, cosmic, you know, uh, space brain way, but like in just a just a sense of like maybe maybe the scary looking thing is nice and maybe the cute thing can be evil and maybe we just don't have to go to such 
knee-jerk reactions to apply our projections to everything. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I think that those are those things are being very, very intensely challenged on very, very big levels, which some people are, you know, being violently shaken awake to, and mm -hmm. some people are going to nap for a little while longer. But yeah. like, um, yeah. I think so. You know, and, and when you're when you're faced when when you're faced with the horror, you know, and and coming back to kind of the, to the to the dark man motif, and sometimes the dark man presents itself in this horrific way, right? You know, it's 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 the horror on the road that intercepts your journey and takes you to some sort of hellish, through some sort of hellish experience. That's looking for your attention, you know, and we have a remarkable ability to do mental gymnastics to sanitize things in a way that we can we can metastasize them and digest them right so you need significant levels of horror to prevent you from doing that so you have to look at it and you have to accept it and you yes. have to go okay this is what's happening you can't do the oh well maybe that was that and you know and you can't do the victim thing either which yeah. is which is thinking into the reality but mm. then flipping it to like a, I don't actually deserve to be here, mm. Mm -hmm. which removes you from the lesson entirely mm -hmm. and guarantees that you're going to find yourself back in that same position in like yeah. a little while. <laughs> totally. Totally. I mean, that's a motif in everyone's life. Why do these things keep happening to me? Yeah. Cause you didn't, cause, cause you feel <laughs> sorry for yourself and you didn't <laughs> learn that it's actually, it actually is all about you. Just not in the fucking way you think. Yeah. Right? Totally. Like it is all about you. It's just, it's not about your, your identity politics. Like it's, it's True. not about how you want to present yourself and how you demand the world sees you and respects you. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's actually a lot more about how you're willing to see yourself as uh, malleable and multifaceted and like to see that darkness and the light in yourself so you don't rebel violently against darkness in a way that prevents you from being genuinely in the world because if, if you can merge the light and the dark if you can accept that in yourself like that's Saint Cyprian Cyprian's literally like nudging me on the fucking shoulder right now just like <laughs> bro say my name <laughs> Just say my name. I'm already in this conversation. Like, I fucking hear you. <laughs> Don't podcast in your altar room, I guess. It, it's yeah, it's 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 remarkable stuff, you know. Um, and these these things manifest in your life in 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 such strange yet obvious ways, and that's why I I kind of go back to Malvo again about being such a, a really well written character and that may be on purpose or maybe that kind of channeled creative piece because the sense of irony and the sense of humor is one thing that that i've found consistently like um i work a lot with with, with lucifer you know uh or what i think is lucifer um <laughs> that i didn't initiate that relationship right that's that's one that kind of came to me. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. Um, what seems to have come out from that after a while is is because I, I I had a kind of a really intense vision, uh, and it was one that, to my point, I couldn't digest, right? You know, and I tried, 
believe me, I tried because you know I was like, oh fuck no, no no no, this is way this is above my pay grade. Fuck this, you know, tapping out, <laughs> like fuck no, right? Like and and that was genuinely my reaction. I was like, okay, I can't handle this. It's too much, you know. Um, and I I couldn't. I didn't know what to do. Really, I didn't know what to do. Um, and uh, I spoke to a friend of mine. And I, I told her about it. Um, she's an, an amazing, an amazing witch. Um, and she was just like, "Only, I, only it's you." I, I say you're full of shit, right? Because that the way I described the whole thing happened. Like she's like, "I've never heard that kind of stuff before." But it's like, you know, because I was like, and then this happened, and then this, happened. <laughs> you know, like you know. like, um, had like eyeliner on. And yeah, 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 a bunch yeah, of totally. tattoos. It would be like whatever, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's Derek. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're you're in you're in black metal corpse paint. Like <laughs> totally. Yeah, 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 yeah Spikes totally. everywhere. There was there was no ego about this at all. You know, right. I, I was just like, <laughs> someone fucking help <laughs> like, me figure like out really what just happened. You know, too much, too much. Somebody yeah. turned on. Somebody turned off my cable box scrambler, and I got a yeah. station I didn't pay for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um. And then kind of I, I worked with uh, another friend of mine who's, who's extraordinarily gifted and who, who just is, has just an incredible psychic gift, you know. And she works with the gin, you know, and she's just like, so the gin are telling me this now. Mm. And you'd be like, whoa, okay, you know, that's really accurate. Mm. Like, And that just, she just flows with it. She's an incredibly gifted woman. Um, and she worked with me for about a year trying to help me work through what was going on uh, because in this vision um he, he says to me my son right he, call, he addresses me as his son right now again i'm not coming this from an ego perspective yeah i'm not like i'm like what the living fuck you know that's yeah. that's my reaction you're, and, you're fine to say this for the for the viewers but like the shit Kurt and I have had happen to us. Yeah. Like, you are you are among friends with this yeah. safe space. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the listeners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you're doing well because you're you're not like. By the way, guys, you didn't you didn't put the you didn't then put the eyeliner on and then you know do your big Robert Smith hairdo and was like I'm the child of Satan. Yeah, so yeah, you guys yeah, totally. Know, and I'm yeah. here to deliver. Yeah, no, no. The the proper reaction is to be like, what? The, no, what? Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The proper reaction is to work work with your friend for like a whole year to try year and to frame, frame, frame the experience. Yeah, try and figure out what the fuck's going on. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and what came through eventually was. You know when you kind of, you know when you kind of realize time is is been managed differently by spirits, mm-hmm. right? And you start to piece stuff that happened ten years ago, so it happened twenty years ago, and then it becomes relevant. Those <laughs> random things that happened twenty, yeah. thirty years ago are now a sequence that makes sense, that gives context to what just happened, and you realize you've been in contact with, or something's been in contact with you for your entire life. You know, um, that's kind of what happened out of this Oof. to the point where there was a picture on, 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 on my parents' wall at home. And it was always kind of weird and always kind of st- stuck out, right? It's a small picture about this big, right, of of a silhouette of an angel, black, black angel, spread wings, right? 
And this is why I picked up on the silhouette <laughs> of Malfoy, ah. right? Because like, this is, you know, this is the stuff that 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 I've been seeing, and um, and I was like, that's weird. But come on, where would you get that? Yeah, that's a fucking mad looking thing. I was like, oh, a friend won it, and they gave it to me. Apparently, it's by some well known artist. And then, kind of, when I'm in mid conversation, I realise that's a picture of what I saw was hanging on my mum and dad's wall. Right, so. And then you start to frame it that it's put there 12 years ago. So when I do have the vision that I'll realize it's real, you know, because it's telling me I've been sitting on your wall looking at you and your family, you know, uh, which I now have upstairs and it's like, you know, center of my altar. Wow. You know. um, Wow. That's really powerful. You you got the painting and made it the center. Ah, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I is and and it's 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 been one again. It's been one that's been you know took me a while to process, you know. But what also came through in again, this is a year of working uh, through it. Is that the son ref the, my son reference isn't obviously a biological thing, you know. Um, it's it's got to do with lineage though, family lineage, and it's got to do with essentially an ancestor making a deal mm. right and then that stays with the family through huh. um and you see the thing with with, with uh gin is very similar you know lots I, of spirits I, yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and i've spoken to a lot of healers who are like you know based in san francisco and they're like i do you know with this spirit and it's like it's like from the Middle East, <laughs> you know, but, but it's attached to this person and it's like, it's a generational thing. So it's, it's a similar type of thing. But what was really interesting is like, because I've started kind of working with him and community, you know, trying to work out what's happening. What are we doing here? Um, and it is a creative process. There's, there's a book coming out of it, you know? Um, Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that is, you're going to fucking love this. And it's like, I am gonna, right. I'm right. Gonna but, uh, <laughs> Uh, what what um what happened was is uh, you know I started meditating and working trying to work with him through kind of using candle magic and that kind of stuff uh, and uh, devotionals and I'm like we'll be very clear I'm not making pacts here I'm just saying you know we can do this we'll have an understanding you're in you are already in relation to this spirit yeah, yeah. the yeah. only thing the the only choices you have are to calmly and responsibly mm. face this existence, this thing that is already present. Yeah. Or you can ignore it and potentially face some consequences that you <laughs> neglected to accept, but right? It's it's my dharma. Yeah. That's that's exactly. my juicy. That's what it is. You know? Perfect. Like a, um but here's the thing, right? So I do this meditation and I kinda, you know, I simple basic candle magic and i kind of nod off and i wake up and i kind of blurt out born of fire fire in the blood right and you know you kind of you know you can sometimes you wake yourself up snoring you know very loud snoring you can kind of, oh like, like you know wake yeah, up yeah, like yeah. That. but i woke up blurting this out and then it turns out that because I, I was looking at the thing of kind of you know witch blood the idea of witch blood and i've always found that kind of term is insufficient and it's it's, it's kind of just it's a clunky term you know um 
you know, it, it denotes things like her hereditary rights and all that kind of stuff, and uh, and uh, which it which it, it just doesn't feel right. And I kind of got to the idea of the the idea of well, Lucifer activates fire in the blood, you know, as that mystical fire, that fire of perception, that fire of seeing and understanding the non-duality, but also maybe understanding that this is the prism you got to look through to experience this. But then other people started saying fire in the blood to me. <laughs> Right, uh. you know, so it started coming back. So I started getting these kind of, you know, confirmations from other people. You know, um, that was really strange. But here's the really strange thing, and this is, this is the bit that kind of like it is um, the clincher for me. Is I was down in Dartmoor, in the southwest of England, with two witch friends. To some of the witches who uh, helped me get through all this. One of whom has been seeing the Dark Man since she was a child. The other of whom channeled a deck of cards called Blood and Ink um, that are essentially have come from the Dark Man. You know, and again, this is something that she didn't instigate either. It was, it was, you know, that creative hosepipe going through her. Um, both of them are extraordinarily powerful women. They're, they're, they're remarkable. Um, and we're down in Dartmoor. Right, which is this misty moor in the middle of uh, middle of nowhere in the southwest. We're out there at midnight with the sole intention of invoking the dark man. <laughs> so again, we're we're on brand. <laughs> like this is like a horror, you know, a proper fucking nineteen sixties hammer <laughs> horror film. You know? It's important to lean into it. Yeah, I, th I exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta do it. Just you know, hook, line, and sinker. You don't want to resist. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the reason we're there is we're kind of going, what do you want? That's what we're there for. We're trying to kind of go, okay, if this is what's happening, we need to kind of know how we recognize you. You know, um, what, what will, what should we call you? How should we work with you? And trying to determine those things. Now, I won't go into too much detail as to what happened overall, but I asked when it was my turn. What do you want? I get a solitary word pop into my head. And it is, it's one that is, to me is, is very clearly external. You know, it, it, it doesn't feel like me. Yeah. You know, when you know, uh, you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's that kind of thing. It's impossible to explain to people. This hasn't happened. Right. To right. If you, if you've done spirit contact, yeah, you know, when it doesn't come from yeah. your own fucking yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Anyway, once we're on this misty moor, it's windy, it's all, and then it's like, boom, silence. Everything stops. Wind stops. Everything's total silence. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and I hear the solitary word in my head, right. That's it. Mm. Two days later, I'm on the phone to a publisher. Mm. Right. It just blew my fucking mind. Mm. You know, yeah. about a book about him. So, oh. yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what yeah. I've been asked to do, you know? Um, so this is why I was looking at Malvo and looking at the, 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 the conscious archetype playing itself out through the stories. And that's how it threads itself throughout our society, throughout our culture. doesn't matter if, you know, we don't believe in the quote unquote devil anymore uh, as an opposing force out there or a force to be reckoned with 
or one that we could strike a deal with at the crossroads, he's in our stories. You know, and that's how the 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 fire and the blood continues. It goes through creators and it goes through the witches. Mm. Yeah. That's my yeah. theory anyway. <laughs> Well, I, I, I say that's my TED talk. <laughs> I definitely think that the, there's a, there's a lot of old scratch in the harm to heal concept, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the the idea that something needs to come eat the thing that's hurting everyone, and and in that you are making essentially a deal with a devil. Like there's always this. Um, I'll get the ferocious, the more ferocious thing who's a little bit friendly to me to kill yeah. the thing that's a more immediate threat. And there's the, the whole concept of the relational bargain and the pact seems to originate right there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like archetypally speaking. Yeah. It's, it, it's really intriguing stuff, you know, and, and it, it feels to me it's about kind of reinstatement of some of these ancient spirits. I also think that it's very special that you have been chosen because you in particular as a person are very you're you're very adaptable like i've listened to your show a lot you're able to be relaxed with the more relaxed hosts and more professional with the people that want to be more yeah. be taken more seriously basically <laughs> um <clears throat> and i think that's fun because on a surface level, like if someone just met you and hung out for a few hours or something, they would probably put you more in the camp of someone who is like churchy holy because you're kind and adaptable mm -hmm. and cordial. Like there's there's all these precepts and these sure. these uh, values that 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 seem churchy almost mm -hmm. because you're just like a good and kind and nice person. Oh, thank you. And the the fact that you have this connection and that you are in service to telling this story it it becomes more profound mm -hmm. because it's also while it's delivering an expression of that archetype and reflections upon the archetype you're also challenging it and showing the non-duality yeah by being someone who isn't devilish mm -hmm. outwardly yeah if that yeah, makes sense, like like you're being an emissary for something where you're actually being more kind and and more uh, almost like monk or priest like in the way that you're bringing people and giving them a voice on your show. Like there's there's a lot going on there that contradicts directly to the mind of someone who has not accepted non-duality. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think that's yeah. that that might be part of the key. And I think that's yeah. a really beautiful thing. Uh, so, so I like that. It's a really interesting observation, yeah. And I think you're, I think you're onto something with that as well, you know. And, and certainly, the people who, um, who kind of are, are passengers on this, this their own journeys, but we're all kind of starting to work together uh, with this, are very similar in that degree, you know. They're all, they're all kind of. They're noble people, you know, um, which I find very interesting. Like, and I think you've 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 articulated that beautifully. Like, it's it's more about building out foundations 
based on some kind of stability you know um and yeah the, the dualistic thing makes sense yeah i'll tell you one thing though he, he's very funny <laughs> he like he genuinely has got a good sense of humor well i i, I kind of i would be disappointed if that yeah. was not the case right right it's, it's almost like i i just kind of assume as as a good christian boy that <laughs> that that all humor originates from the devil <laughs> yeah, yeah. because i grew up with the old testament god yeah and he never did anything funny yeah yeah, yeah not yeah. fucking totally. once yeah. mm. i mean jesus jesus had its moments like he gets annoyed with the apostles and there's these like like head in his hands like god damn it like <laughs> you know those moments and and it's fun but Old Testament God, like not one sense of humor. And that's what yeah. lets you know that only holy is not the complete human picture. Because mm -hmm. like God doesn't laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good observation. You know, I I had I had one experience as well where I was kind of in, in a meditation and and again getting those kind of just kind of downloads coming in and and one of them came in and, and it was going to again well you know what, what what should i kind of do is procrastinating and it literally came in and said you could get the fuck on with it <laughs> yeah and again it was like this external voice and i was like jesus all right all right fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 strange stuff to to talk about you know um it, it's taken me a while to become comfortable talking about it because um it just wasn't in my world. You know, I'd been experimenting with magic for many years to, to varying degrees of, you know, basic success. You know, I'm not an adept, you know, I, I, I've, I haven't read the volumes and studied them and kind of, you know, can't speak Greek. It's, it's overrated. <laughs> you know? But this is the thing about the fire and the blood where it, it, it kind of doesn't necessarily matter. There were there are people who, for whatever reason, you know, and, and I'm a storyteller, and my job's to tell a story, so that's what I've been tasked with. Other people, and I've been tasked with different things, but um, it the the fire and the blood thing. I I, I think there's something to that, you know. Well, okay, um, I I hear that, and and what it sparks in me, it it ignites something. When I hear you say fire in the blood, it's like that's the spark of passion to be alive and the intuition yeah. because you're paying such um, <clears throat> like, okay, in the Thai system, they call Samadhi like they it's fun because in Buddhism, you hear the word Samadhi and it has these very long explanations. And then you get into Thai occultism and they say Samadhi is literally just ritual focus and you need it to do magic. Right. That's all it is. So <clears throat> you need to like acquire that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, like the, the whole process of uh, acquiring that and being, uh, I don't know, focused enough to actually do something, that's, uh, God, I fucking lost my train of thought completely. What were we talking about? 
damn it. Uh, the fire and the blood. Yeah. And the, and the, yeah, no, so yes. they're like, thank you. So okay. like, so like everything they do is based on logic. Like it isn't this thing plus this thing does this thing. Um, they do have those things in their books of their, their knowledge, but it's, it's just basically like a logic. So, and there, there are like rules in the system, but essentially all the rules can be dissolved and replaced with specifics at any given point. Mm -hmm. So like when I hear fire in the blood, what I hear is this divinely inspired intuition. It's the ability to like focus in on the fire of life and, and just kind of feel like what is happening now and what does this call for? Um, mm -hmm. And to me, that is what witchcraft is. Mm -hmm. Witchcraft is the intuition of it. Like you're, yep. you're not going by some fucking book. You might gather inspiration from books, but yep. what you're doing is you're intaking um, the, the, the methods of, of thought, like the, 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 the ways of thinking. And you're taking in just like these general intuitive shapes um, because real witchcraft is done in communication. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's always unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Sorry if that got away from you. No, not at all. And I think, you know, you, you used a phrase there about kind of like, like joy in being alive, um, which is a thing I get very much from, from within his view of of witchcraft what i'm what i'm interpreting you know and one of the things that that we are missing in most of our practices is that joy to be alive you know and, and kind of you know ironically to your point about kind of that kind of christian you know that kind of christian ethos is there's almost a kind of a a a, a, a um an analog of, of it in this which is you know, like celebrate, you know, your experience in this incarnation, like go for it, enjoy it. Like it, it's, it's a ride, you know, you, you, you have the opportunity to really push the envelope of, of your life and experience different things, you know, and, and but it's also a reminder to, to, to do your, do your Dharma to do your duty and i think that's when when he turns up sometimes like anonymously when people see a dark figure standing by the road and they screech their brakes and then they they miss hitting something right you know when those things happen because i think it's a very similar a similar type of thing right same equally people start having kind of like dark men appear in their room at night or in the dreams and what have you they're 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 frightening things they're they're terrifying things what do they remind you of the horror reminds you about how you will find joy in very simple things if you're not faced with a horror you know it it recalibrates you to realize you're just lucky to be alive and that's a sure. wonderful fucking thing so, so so give it your best you know and, and that's the thing i find for me is that like ultimately I, i'm two and a bit years into this and i'm my worldview has changed an awful lot. Like it's been hugely healing, hugely yeah. healing. You know, I don't feel like nihilistic at all. Yeah, like yeah. not remotely. I it's 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 made me resolutely positive. 
Well, it's put, it's, it's given you permission to put significance and value back into life instead yeah. of, instead of life just being a distraction from some more important imaginary thing that mm. doesn't actually exist because life is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, we have our life mapped out in a, in a series of, of like attempts to acquire things, you know, acquisitions yeah. of material things like it, it recalibrates my understanding of what what does value mean what do i really value you know what what really has significance for me so it's 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 made me recalibrate kind of everything about myself really um which has been very transformative still a long way to go you know but always yeah, 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 totally right. That if anyone if anyone says otherwise, they're a liar, yeah. run away. Yeah, totally. They're fucking dopes or they're full of shit. Yeah. You know. Uh, they just want your money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's been remarkable. And that's one of the reasons that I that I picked Malvo because I could kind of recognize the destroyer, the creator pattern in him, you know, and in the character, um, and particularly how it. It plays out in stories, um, which is going back centuries. Like it's it's throughout our folklore, everywhere. He's there all the time. Yeah, the agent of chaos and the spoon mm. that stirs the pot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's necessary, and we have successfully demonized and almost eradicated it as a worthwhile force in the world. Mm -hmm. I, I really empathize with this as someone who is obsessed with Asherah. Um, I, my first, one of my first major spirit contacts, the first one that I ever got a name for was Kalima. And I did not right. even know who she was. Right. I had to, to look it up. But I was on a, a fairly low dose of mushrooms and I had been meditating on on like a microdose. And there was like this part of my spirit body that it was like, oh, I don't need you. You're dragging me down. And all of a sudden she floats through saying her name and literally using her arms to with swords in every hand to chop this thing off of me. Yeah. And so I, I had like a couple of years where I was just like really obsessed with her. And it, it went from there into discovering that, you know, the, the mythos that I was bequeathed as a child mm. had a mother goddess that was written out of history. Mm. And from there, learning that, like, not only was she written out of history, she kind of, like, had to be forced into one of her aspects, her more holy aspects, went into Mary and her more Shakti like Kali Ma yeah. like yeah. aspects being forced into grimoires as an Astaroth. Yeah. And like, it's because we don't believe in this, we don't accept the dark feminine. Mm -hmm. So she shows up as a demon. Mm -hmm. Just like we don't, like we got forced out of the idea of enjoying life. So we have to go to the devil. Mm -hmm. And to me, it, it really strikes a similar chord of like, yeah spirits that have a rightful place in our lives and our psyches and our mm -hmm. world and they have they have a place in our relational aspect of being but they have been demonized and forced mm -hmm. out of existence and they're reaching out in these ways to kind of they, they need to be reintegrated with our psyches and our spirits because they're the same thing mm -hmm. and like the world can't be okay 
until we're able to actually like accept all the parts of ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's, it's an individual thing, but it's also a, a global like human species. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that it, it gets into the kind of the, the macro micro thing as well. You know, um, it, it really does. Um, uh, one of the big things about Abrahamic faiths is it's always talking about the afterlife, right? It's you abide by these restrictive rules and, you know, you will, you will get to, to, to heaven or whatever it might be. Um, so it's always about the after. Whereas I think spirits like the devil talk to you about the now, you know, um, on this world. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a very interesting um period of, of of growth but um it's this is what i mean about the young stuff being in the grip of the daemon you know and not actually having free will like, mm. like i've received very direct explicit instruction you know like um severely limiting like my, my time ironically as a podcaster you know <laughs> i don't really do much on social media like um yeah. and i'm not really participating in that um and, and equally, you're probably I, better for that <laughs> oh there's no doubt about it there's no doubt about it but but it's 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 about kind of where i need to spend my time you know um it's it's not it has a purpose but it's not one that i kind of it's not one I need to have my focus on at the moment. So it's, it's, that's where the instruction comes from. And the other instruction has come from me and, and like managing my health, you know, like, and making sure that I look after myself a lot more. So, but again, you look at those things and go, no, they're positive things. They're great things, but they also serve a purpose. Mm. My time is focused on research. My time is focused on study. You know, the healthier I am, the more better I am to, fulfill the work so it's while they might seem like these are very positive instructions you can see that there's a motivation behind it <laughs> i really want you to be healthy yeah. so so you can do the shit that i need you to <laughs> basically yeah 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 <laughs> well it's funny because you know i i think it's natural for anyone coming into spirit work to be like terrified that they're going to be used or abused yeah, or something yeah. uh, well, by, by spirits but I think I think we're all being used by spirits yeah, all the time totally. it's just like you get to pick which ones use you yeah yeah it's 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 generally you're generally unaware of what <laughs> of what is manipulating you anyway already yeah. and I yeah that uh, the whole journey is often about like becoming aware and then getting to choose what it is that's mm -hmm. that you're coming into a relationship with um it, it's it's also fascinating like the, the you know the word occult is like you know people are like does that even still mean anything anymore because like everything and it kind of does because like all this shit is out there and like you can we can all three of us can talk about these experiences we've had and people will read books about it but they still won't necessarily take that extra step of actually experiencing it so in a way it still remains occulted and like yep. 
that's um and kind of going back to what you're saying like that is the that is the horror is that you're you're cut off from this and that's what's making it terrifying yeah yeah, yeah. and and um i mean if we look at kind of again the idea of being what does occulted mean hidden and all that kind of stuff but as a kind of a, an analog to it playing out what we're seeing is more and more small groups like break off so you've got like people who would be in like open facebook groups if they're still on facebook you know batshit crazy enough to be there but um <laughs> you know to to start becoming very small localized communities digital communities you know who are working closely yeah and not really investing their time in the wider um vacuums of, of the bigger platforms because it they've they've turned now those things have, i mean they're probably always designed to do that but they've more and more people are waking up going yeah <laughs> yeah it's like you know it's just gonna realize when you've been in a terrible pub you know and um <laughs> you're like yeah i think we should finish our drinks and go <laughs> it's gonna kick off <laughs> abba's yeah. starting to play yeah it's like uh so so i think i think that's where it's, it's starting to kind of become hidden again we get to that point where we you know maybe it is through social media or other channels where you start to find the people that you know you can work with and you've got a a, a more than kind of digital relationship with and and people break off and they find it they, they, they find their own kind of little archipelagos little islands of communities doing specific work and i think that's what it should be you know um that's yeah. definitely true of us like yeah like brian and i have had that direct experience mm. where um where we're we're part of an island chain and then a singular island within the island chain it's like it just keeps <laughs> cool. yeah that's really cool i was gonna see if i can grab a beer it's a oh, mad yeah. lightning storm i can see it's like I'm looking over my computer here at the window and i can just like a lightning storm oh, going on that's great Feels, yeah pretty punk rock <laughs> <laughs> partners left uh, a beer for me God I, by, by the way uh i also i want to reveal a secret here is that i am i'm actually uh brian samadhi i'm just here to keep him focused i'm his focus <laughs> i'm his externalized spirit fro focus i don't exist otherwise outside of this podcast <laughs> that and inject occasional stupid one-liners that's my other it's, it's, so, it's, it's, it's all it's, part of the process. <laughs> it's actually miraculous that we work well together because we have the same style of like, just wait for the one-liner opportunity and then pop in. <laughs> it's so somehow it works. I think it's because you're so Cancerian. Like you have this adaptability. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how are you guys finding the whole podcasting thing going now? I've been listening to your shows. I've been really enjoying them. I'm oh. so glad to hear that. Like, <laughs> I think we have like 30 listeners. So, uh, <laughs> you, grow, grow. you and Kelby Losek are our number one listeners. 
<laughs> no, that's uh, I'm loving it. I I find that like like you said in our chat, like the best thing you can do is not care. Yeah. Um, and I, I like I was telling you, like I, I figured that out in my twenties playing music. Like you create cross conditions for yourself if you want results. Mm. And like if the reason you're doing the thing is so that people will, will give you praise, mm. you're going you're going to either fail now if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> or you're gonna succeed now and then later the chips are gonna fall in a totally different and more severe way yeah yeah totally and uh yeah. and i actually really really one of my favorite pastimes is waiting for those people to just crumble like <laughs> yeah. i i hate to admit this because yeah. it makes me sound like a sadistic prick but like one of the my least favorite things in the world are, are phonies like people people that just kind of yeah um repeat or regurgitate things other people say as if they're their own while mm -hmm. criticizing the other people to, to put them down or to kind of like, you know, ride crests of waves that aren't their own or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what I've found is if you just wait, wait, if you're just patient, those things always come around and it's really Yeah, I, th I think that's true. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, one, one of the challenges that I've found really is that um, I don't really know anything, <laughs> you know, and I'm kind of, you know, interviewing people who are really experts in their field and that could be a challenge at times that could be a oh. challenge at times you know uh, make me laugh um but it's um it's just a lot of fun i think i think it'd be interesting in, in, enjoying it as like having an interesting chat you know it's like a what story. You know, it's not like we work for a radio station we just have an out yeah brand, you know? well and then and also like we've had some really i know there's something about like asking someone to pick something that they're really intrigued by yeah yeah or like really that really energetic that like we like i was i was i don't did i don't know if we said this in the podcast or not but it was funny because like the conception that brian originally had for this podcast is what it turned into like he, he had this whole idea it was like, yeah, someone will come on and they'll kind of deliver a sermon about like some, they'll expand. Yeah. And it was like, and then we, I scrapped it. Like, I was yeah. like well, that's never going to work out. Yeah. So let's just make a podcast about movies and it'll, it'll inevitably turn into us talking about how magic relates to the concepts in the movie. Yeah. And then, and then slowly we're like, well, let's have guests. And then it's turned into we actually have people on to to be like this is a thing that resonated with me yeah and spiritually and here's why and and yeah Kurt pointed it out and it was just like you actually like it it turned into it's a great concept it's a really great concept I literally just stole Agitator Podcasts concept fuck um, <laughs> fuck them no I, I I love those guys I love those guys. I don't know who they are. Like I said, I don't know it's, anything. <laughs> okay, they're actually uh, at least one of them. I apologize, is... by the way. If <laughs> <laughs> no, at least one of them is uh, is uh, is also in Room Soup, uh, and right, right, and uh, is a uh, and they're both authors, and right. they they do like uh, a podcast about Japanese extreme cinema, which is primarily stuff that is deemed not allowed to exist in the world anymore right like because it's okay. it's, it's not woke enough um it's true art and that's offensive so it shouldn't exist 
So like they've taken like a stance on this stuff and I found that really inspiring, mm -hmm. but also they're just kind of like, we just want to talk about shit we like. And, yeah. and I found that so inspiring. Like, yes, in a world full of political commentary and people picking apart shit, yeah. why don't we get together and just, just be like, what do you, what do you love? Yeah. I, I think that's it. I, yeah. Love. It's, it's, I mean, like when I, when I started spirit box, like I've been doing kind of on and off YouTube videos for a while. And like, you know, my first YouTube videos were like shit that I'd recorded when I was traveling, when I was a photographer and like, and then I was kind of doing talking about like photographic technique or that kind of thing. And when I came back from like my, what was it? My third trip from India, when I did all the kind of the gin stuff, I sort of, I did a couple of presentations at Treadwells in, in London about like the Agori and, and the gin. And I was like, oh, I should probably make these into videos. And I, I kind of redid the presentations and made them into videos. And I did one on, on Sufism. Um, and people started to kind of watch them and kind of, you know, ask me questions about the, the gin and stuff. And eventually people kind of said, oh, well, we should do a podcast. The, um, the Graham Hancock audio is on YouTube. If you really oh. want <laughs> If you really want to cringe, that's uh, <laughs> one there. Um, I'm gonna but, find it. Yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna be actually cool. background wonder, music for this episode. Yeah. I, I wonder if I have listened to that one before. I know, like, actually, I'm really curious, uh, and you've probably gone over it like a million times. But I'm like, how did you first get? Like the gin is such a specific. Yeah. Yeah, like. Yeah. Like what? How did you even discover that and like it? It's a great question because I've heard yeah. 30 episodes on you talking about the gin, but I, <laughs> I I don't actually remember this story either. Yeah, I always imagine kind of my listeners, when I talk about this, I always imagine my listeners kind of going, oh, for fuck's sake, Jesus Christ, he's off again. Like, you know. Well, I love it. I love it. You, you hear me go, like, I, I always look, and I'm sorry to my listeners who heard this before. But uh, I, so like when, when, when I was doing, when I was doing travel photography and uh, documentary photography, and it's a fucking tough gig, right? Like it looks like, oh, this is a wonderful thing or a glorious thing, but actually trying to sell photographs is hard. Trying to get commissioned is hard. It's a real, real graft. Um, I do when you're out this. there, yeah, when you're out there shooting, it's, 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 it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy sell. Um, so I'd been, Basically, what you come up with is you pitch, you pitch an idea to an agency. You say, "I'm going out here. If I shoot this, would you be interested in selling it through the news wires and licensing it, licensing it for me?" Right. So, I'd done a bunch of stuff in. I'd done quite a lot of India work, and some of the stuff that was really successful was really um, like stuff like the Agori. Um, kind of similar slightly esoteric uh left field hindu work uh that that had, that had gone really well so the agency i was working with at the time i was like well i want to go to india again i'm going to shoot this story about the the city of jinns right and that comes from a, a book by william dalrymple so most of the stuff that i shot in india i heard about first through william dalrymple's books so he, he's 
uh, Scottish historian, travel writer, phenomenal, you know, phenomenal mind. Um, and he wrote a book called Nine Lives about, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. And it was basically juxtaposing nine lives in modern India of people who are practicing archaic uh, lives, right? They're, 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 they're actively have you know rejected their modern life and there was guys who were like well i used to manage like a call center but now i'm an agori sadhu you know mm. so and it and it what i've come to realize since after spending an awful lot of time in india it's almost the perfect an analog for the country analogy for the country excuse me because it is like that it is like that you can walk down a block and you can go by an extremely, you know, extremely wealthy, advanced, you know, software company. And then around the corner, there'll be an ashram with, with somebody who's doing like severe aestheticism, you know? So it, it's, it's, that's the, it, that's the, the wonderful thing about India. All life is in India. Um, the cliches are kind of true, you know? Um, and every time I've gone back, it's been different. You know, every time I've gone back where I think, oh, I'm, 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 you know, I've spent months backpacking around India. I know, I know the drill. I know the drill. You know, and then I get scammed the minute I get off an airport. I'm like, fuck me. I, knew- <laughs> I thought I knew the drill. I thought I knew the shit, you know? So it's, it's like, it always shifts. It always shifts, you know? Wild card. The, the, the joy is you get new levels of scammers. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they, they've adapted. <laughs> It's like when you beat Mario, you know, you come back and everybody's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, they're not the, an eternal the, show. The second, the second playthrough of Zelda, they're like, yeah. oh, it's oh, a little yeah, different. Yeah. You, you've be honored. You've graduated to the more advanced scammers. Exactly. Yeah, but um, I, I did, I did. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the first kind of agori work that it, that I did, uh, it came out of that book, Nine Lives, and and kind of I found it not a. a but an awful lot of different subjects, which I then kind of did further research on. But his, his, I think his, one of his first books was City of Gins, which was his account of his first years in India as a young correspondent. And there's a couple of passages in it where he talks about being at uh, Faroz Shah Kotla and uh, Nizamuddin Ali Adarg. Um, and these are sites associated with the jinn or healing people who've got jinn problems. So the pitch I gave was like, I'm going to photograph these areas associated with this book. And, you know, the guys were like, okay, fine. Give it a shot. We have an India office. Talk to them when you're there. Um, so a, a young Kashmiri photographer uh, worked with me and he was fucking amazing. Um, a guy called Shams, who I wouldn't be able to do it without Shams. He, he, you know, he got me to all those locations and all that kind of stuff. But, Anyway, the trip was a fucking disaster. It was just like, it was a proper <laughs> ball ache from even before I went. I had like nightmares about the place. It turned out it was one of the places that I was going to mm. go to. And, oh, wow. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was like, it just, it just, it was that kind of sequence of events that were, yeah. But I was on, when I was on Gordon's podcast, like talking about it and he was, so you came back and you're kind of like um so hi everyone spirits are real and magic is is also real you know and i was like yes pretty much it actually you know to be honest like i I, i've always been that kind of in the shallow end 
right of this stuff and, and then even the agori stuff when i was like you know sitting with guys drinking whiskey at the skulls and all that kind of stuff that didn't really phase me the gin stuff really fucking phased me that that's where i was like i'm totally on edge i think i've bitten off more than i can chew and i don't know what's going on but mm. like i was just standing on shifting sand all the time my mm. camera broke before i went in a way that was just inexplicable <laughs> you know my dad's tooth broke in the airport before we left we had to change hotel three times in 24 hours you know we had scammers at us like and we're tired it's like a red eye flight we've arrived and you know i'm just about managing to fucking get away from these dudes you know we just managed to get out of it in the end but and then i'm gonna try and photograph an exorcism you know so it's like everything was was stacked against me for this going well i still did it you know um like in the nightmare i had i was sitting there big sufi celebration in this side and I turn to my left and there's a dude in a white hat sitting there going with like a completely kind of corpse face and like, I mean, kind of really, you know, cheesy, almost like B film type thing where like a snake goes out of one eye and in the other. But that's actually what I saw. And it says, wow. don't, it says, don't come here. Right. <laughs> right. Holy shit. Yeah, that's what I fucking saw on the train. <laughs> Right now, you know when you, when I was talking about earlier about you get faced with horror so bad that you can't metastasize it, you can't process it, right? Yeah. Right. Well, I was like, ah, uh, you know, a bit of a stress yeah. dream, you know, and I, and I did everything I could to manage it. Yeah. Right, and I kind of got past it, but I was just on edge. I was just, you know, I was kind of. Mm. So most people would have done. Yeah. And I went to did did all the, the different locations, and we got to Niz Nizamuddin, and then. We spoke to the peer, the the, the Sufi in charge of of, of the the, sh the shrine Nizmuddin, the grave of, of Nizmuddin Aliya, and um, he points to an enclosure and goes, "Where people who got gym problems, you know." And we go in there. There's a dude in a white hat sitting there staring at me. And that's that's what happens, you know. Like, um, well, I mean, I can share a photograph of the guy with you now, like, um, um. Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't right. <laughs> I don't, I don't I remember. Like... <laughs> I don't remember this from the episode with Gordon. If you said it, I remember, yeah. like in my memory, what I remember is you mentioning that you took some photos, and then you left, and then it became apparent that like something was off, and you had to go get that corrected because there were photos. Yeah, I, at the start, I took some photographs at the start, right? So I used to do a lot of time lapse. Um, the photograph I want to I want to show you actually isn't even loading now. That's fucking hilarious. I'm just gonna pop it in the chat here. <clears throat> this is the second last photograph in in this link. Hold on, I gotta answer the door. No worries. Very un deeply unprofessional. Deeply unprofessional. <laughs> That's our motto. <laughs> That's how you know it's soapbox. 
Wow, that is oh my god. Okay, I'm just I'm just like going through your photos because they're gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Um, holy shit, these are beautiful. Oh my god. Well, now I'm going into a. I'm gonna spend like the rest of the night looking through your photos. You said it was the last one in the series. Second, like second last one. There's a guy in a white cap and there's a woman lying prone in front of him. God, it feels so wrong to skip through these. It's so good. Oh, wow. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's... So, when I was going to take... So, just, yeah, firstly... What happened with my camera was I was doing a lot of uh, time lapse photography. I was doing loads of astro stuff, and I think I was trying to capture the the Torrids or the Perseids um, meteor shower. In fact, the photograph for for um, Spirit Box, the one with the red dot in it, yeah, that's yeah. that's me fucking around on the beach. Um, <laughs> but basically, I'd gone down there to shoot the the meteors. Um, what I was trying to do is find focal range, so or or sorry, the um, yeah, focal range. So was the light in focus? Was was I in focus? So I could understand past me, everything else will be in focus, right? Because I'm doing nighttime shots, I can't do it visually; it won't get picked up in the viewfinder. <laughs> so I was just getting focal range test, and then I kind of said, "This is a cool effect." So I kind of did the the the, the stance from the thing, you know, the, the <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's where that comes from. Um, <laughs> Which made me laugh as well because it's the dark man basically yeah. on the on the um, the icon uh, for it. But <laughs> while I was doing all that time lapse stuff, I'd set my camera up, put it out my window, and have it be outside, and I would just shoot for shoot all night, and then I'd have a look, and there'd be like thirty second exposures or a minute long exposures. So I'd get like a good minute of time lapse all night. And or maybe thirty seconds because you know it's, it's like thirty seconds to get a single frame and all that kind of stuff of like a twenty four twenty four frames a second that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, I can't remember the math, but it basically took all night. Right, uh, we we just settled on that. It took all night to do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, one morning, get up about two weeks before I go to India, check the card, have a look, and it looks like. Do you ever see like a fly move across a security camera? You know, it's kind of a buzzy black thing. It looked like that. I was like, oh, and I, that's what I thought. It looks like an insect. But then, of course, it couldn't be because the insect would have been there for hours. <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, right. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. Um, huh. Clean my lenses, shoot again. Same thing happens. And it's moving across the screen. Right, it's moving. So it was moving across either a lens. That's why I thought it was an insect because it's moving. I thought it was moving across the frame, across the lens. Right. So before I go traveling, I, I generally get my. Uh, like the, the the sensor clean to my camera um bring it in to a camera shop clean sensor you know 60 quid job come back two days later come back two days later it is like yeah i can't clean this uh, i don't know what's going on i've done the full clean uh i've taken a couple of frames they're fine then i take another one and the thing is back right so He's like, let me have another go. I'm like, okay, come back two days later. Because I still, I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't clean this. So oh, shit. take it to these guys who are like the Uber, 
you know, the, these are the guys the technicians go to, the, the guys that Nikon go to to get their cameras cleaned, right? Uh. So, and so it's kind of back lane in London, so I'll go to the place, <laughs> give them the camera, and and they basically called me a week later, going, "You need the the, the sensor replaced. It's the internal box needs replacing." We don't know what's making this happen. We just recommend you kind of rip the camera apart, put a new bit in, and it's going to cost a thousand pounds. And I'm like, well, that's not really good value. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, okay, I'm like, an easier thing. Just told me it was haunted. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm a week out, and I've got no camera, and I'm having nightmares telling me don't come here. Right, so I'm on edge, you know, and it's like it's you know it's hard not to kind of skirt the borders of superstition when you're you know when you're getting into that kind of area. Anyway, a friend of mine came in good and sold me his his SLR body. Um, I ended up with a better camera, uh, which was great. Went off, did the shoot, and then got to this place, Nizamuddin, which is this kind of beautiful like white marble enclosure in Old Delhi, and. Uh, um, the peer talk or Shams talks to the peer, one of the, the kind of the, the Sufi family who run the place, points me in the direction of the area where people with gym problems are, and I look in as a guy with the white hat on, you know, not the same face, it was a huge, obviously a human face, but you know, it's just like, oh my god, it's a dude with a white hat, <laughs> you know, it was the signifier for my dream. And but he was kind of looking at me and he was just like mouthing off, like he, like he was giving me this, like, fuck you look, you know, like kind of you know, mouthing off at me, and I was really rattled. And, and and Shams, who was with me, was like, yeah, yeah, you know, take the shot. And and again, and I started kind of like really wavering where I was like, I don't know if I should take this. I don't know what it means. You know, will it cost me something that I, I don't understand? And he's like, he was kind of just like, can you take the shot so we can go? He's like, <laughs> you know, like get on with it, right? Like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? I want lunch. It's like you came 3000 miles to shoot this gin story. There it is. Take the, take the photograph because it's one of the, this is going to be one of the you know the, the the closing images. You got like generally 12, 15 frames to tell a story. Yeah. Right, that's what you're looking at. Anyway, I, I put my camera to, to 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 my face and I take the shot. And I, and I, I mentioned this before, but it's like I've never really been afraid to take a photograph. You know, and I, I photograph some mad shit. You know, I photograph people like dissecting brains. I photographed like the, the Agori stuff I mentioned. I've been in leprosy colonies. I photographed all kinds of crazy stuff that some people in generally might see as extreme, right? I purposely would go to photograph the extreme stuff because I wanted to see, I wanted to witness. And the camera is a beautiful door opener to allow you to do that. Right? And this is the only time where I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this, you know, and I, it really rattled me, um, but it did. I took the photograph. The photographs never sold, right? So I, I, never, I never sold any of the images from the gin stuff, right? But I'm talking about it like fucking seven years later. So, <laughs> the podcast yeah. is like, like the, the, the honestly, the foundation of your podcast is those experiences, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. And yet, none of the pictures sell. But the, but the experiences have yeah. literally built your whole like presence in the world, like in this pretty yeah. much yeah i mean it, and that that is directly an initiatory experience oh, well, because it's always that. about facing terror or fear yeah and coming through yeah, yeah. 
yeah that's exactly it and it, and, it, and it was that kind of thing where you know i looked at something i was afraid of and i still persisted you know and i didn't do that in a way that was like with complete confidence and you know <laughs> stride through i was fucking shot a brick yeah you know? like i i absolutely was crippled with fear but 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 did it anyway you know um well if you didn't shit the brick it wouldn't be an initiation yeah exactly exactly and i, and I wrote about it it was in um um you know An- anathema um published they do uh, a periodical called pillars um and the last one was called the wayfarer's hearth which was about stories of travel and initiation and i wrote about it and, and it was it was um yeah they, they published it which was which was wonderful you know um but yeah it's it's um no it, it definitely was <laughs> It was a it was a frightening experience, but it it was the start of it at all. It was just kind of it kind of it, it was. Oh man, it's mad lightning going off over. I've just just seen it like over. <laughs> very so atmospheric, uh, but yeah, it it was the start of the kind of shift in in my life into this area because I wasn't really talking about this kind of stuff. I mean, quote unquote, publicly, mm-hmm. you know. I've always been a weirdo. <laughs> Just that this was kind of like a slight shift and things, you know. I have to say, like <clears throat> your uh, your podcast presence um, was really powerful to me because at the time, like I'm I'm very finicky about like who I fucking want to listen to as far as like is their heart in the right place? Like, do mm. they actually have the right angle on the way that they're approaching things? And yeah. Um, for a while, Gordon was it. Like, like Rune Soup was the only one that I could find. The only thing that that was like, from a perspective where it was recognizing who and what we are as mm-hmm. Western culture, yeah. and like not trying to deny that or pretend that we're not removed. Yeah, and still honestly trying to engage from that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but like yours was the the second thing that I ever found that that fit with that. Um, I really that, appreciate that. Thank you. No, it's it's really a big deal because it, it's like when there's only one thing, you kind of still wonder if you're in a cult. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like even though you know it's right, like you still have to have like one second opinion yeah. that is public and out there, um, and and just the that matters like sheer mm. sheer volume. Just, just people being open, and, and God, I fucking hate the term "normalize it," but like, that kind of is what I'm talking about. Is like, let's just be real about that. Spirit, spirit experiences are real, and that we should be mm. humble and in awe, but also not take ourselves too seriously. Uh, if I want to get on my own shit for a second, but yeah, I know. I, I, I think with, I agree with that. You know, and and. What I should do, isn't that? That's what I fucking talk about all the time. <laughs> but it, it's we take ourselves way too seriously, and in, in, particularly in this field, you know, we're 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 way too precious, mm. you know. And that's the word, you know. And, but we're all feeling our way in the dark, you know. And we also that we don't talk to each other this way anyway, you know, within our personal relationships. There's loads of like taking the piss and uh, and all that kind of crack, 
you know um and i always think of the spirit box as kind of like sitting down for a beer with somebody mm. you know and sometimes that conversation's easy and there's a rapport or sometimes it's a little bit more protracted you know um but the real all i really wanted to do with spirit box was to try and look at just try and look at things from every possible angle you know and people who can bring a a viewpoint an angle you know uh, knowledge to something that could benefit just benefit people and kind of bring in to the knowledge base you know for everyone like um and it's i mean you know yourself because you're in it now but like it's a lot of work you know yeah. it's a lot of work it's a lot of time a lot of effort all that kind of stuff you know um and whether you're you're committing to reading a book or watching a, yeah. a whole season of a series like, yeah totally and, and then like producing it and yeah like when you realize yeah. you're doing all that for all those hours are yeah. because of love and that's all you're gonna get out of it like that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is and like um and this is where I, I you know we come back to when we were we were chatting about it like just don't worry about it don't yeah. stress about it you know um we we don't have to man alive there's some fucking light show going on here <laughs> you guys i'm so jealous this fucking animal um, keep track yeah. of any trees that get struck go collect them yeah so, like, seriously the way, the way europe's going man i'm like you know Oh yeah, this to be the only lights I get in a fucking two months time. Oh, I, will, God. Yeah. I, I will pay you good money. Anybody listening, if you have a lightning struck tree and you're willing to mail materia to Denmark, I have money for you. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. No. No. Totally. It's uh, it's real. Shit's gone real. Um, but. Yeah, no, that 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 was it. I, I just, you know, I wanted to know. I wanted to learn. Like it, it's everything is driven by curiosity for me to a point, right? Now, since the kind of the the my experiences with Darkman uh, have happened, it's less curiosity, and now it's moved into I've got work to do, right? Mm. That that's yeah. what it is. Where the driving force originally was curiosity, you know, um, and to tell stories but but now it's kind of like it's a lot more focused that's the the, the yeah. carrot you know like the 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 tr the thing that lures you in is this yeah this curiosity this this sense of wonder and i think where we end up uh we end up in relation to, to spirits that are more significant to us than others right like mm like this one has taken a focus for you because it plays a significant role in how you then frame in relation to it, your relation to the world and the way the world is relation to it. Mm -hmm. And, and that is significant for you and your being in this, in this time and place. Mm -hmm. And like minds, slightly different minds, like oriented towards this dark feminine that's been denied. Yeah. And I feel this like need to um bring her into the light and to show yeah. like mm -hmm. that like we have a right to this sh this thing too mm -hmm. um but it's it's always it's always in service to something yeah it absolutely is and, and it's it's always like i think the most noble causes are 
are the ones where you're in service to something that has been put in the darkness where it's been it's been shrouded because people are so uncomfortable with it that they they no longer want to face it and our our culture then faces like actual sickness because there's a um a total refusal to be all of what we are mm-hmm. as beings mm-hmm. in the world and so like when when forces such as um cunning and cleverness and light and lust are and like when those things are turned into demons in the minds of people yeah then the range of what is acceptable to be in the world becomes so limited uh that existence itself becomes a balance and and these these beings that represent these forces that need to be integrated then come they don't come knocking at the door they come fucking kicking it down (laughs) (laughs) they certainly do they 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 really do and and it's i mean it takes a while to process it as as i was saying earlier on but but i mean like i feel extraordinarily blessed you know i feel genuinely blessed like there, there are there, there are times when I'm, I'm, I'm frightened. Why, you know, I've been speaking really honestly. There's times where I'm like, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Like, you know, this is this feels a little bit too fucking much. You know, um. But there are other times I'm a lot more comfortable. You know, but then I wonder if I'm being naive. So it, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it it's. Yeah, you know what I mean. You well, know, but that sense of the sense of unease, yeah, is another thing too, right? Mm. Like the way that you're talking about holding paradox earlier, yeah, um, being in service to something that you're uneasy with. There, there's some kind of like tension. Very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, like, like, um, you're not comfortable, but you know that it's still like your dharma. Yeah, it's still the thing you have to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's something enlightening about that. I th- I think that that all of our problems in the West come from this duality. Like we're yeah. we're so afraid that we're going to be tricked, and and then what we get is we get a, 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 and I hate the term capitalist because it's reductionist and it's not accurate, but it's the best I got right now because I've I've been drinking through this whole episode. So <laughs> like <clears throat> you have this capitalist idea of exchange and trickery in advertising. And so, like, that's our base model for everything. Like, we're all children yep. who grew up on Saturday morning cartoons and and ads that tried to trick us into loving things that we might not have loved otherwise. Mm-hmm. So we kind of tend to apply our 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 sense of trickery that comes from exchange and capital to our spirituality because it's like our first model. And if you look at other cultures, like you you get this like there's not that fear of being tricked there's almost this like like being tricked is being enlightened it's given the opportunity to be like like elevated but we see it as a failure like we see we oh i was tricked i fucked up i'm worthless Mm -hmm. instead of like oh i fucked up because i don't understand this thing because i 
Me too. And thank you to the spirit who just pointed that out to me. Who's just we don't, something. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't give that thank you. We give like a, like we turn it inwards and we be, because we're the center of our own world, right? So we become like, oh, I'm fucking worthless because I didn't get it. And yeah. it's like, no, you're, you're brilliant because you failed. Mm -hmm. You know, you just got to fail well. Yeah, I agree completely, you know, and, and this is where like, people really need to be you know they need to be careful of their ego because it will fucking trip them up you know mm. be, like and you know and this is why concept like dharma and service are really really important you know because they will keep your feet on the ground you know you, you start don't people start thinking of the fucking chosen one or some shit like they are going to get their ass handed to them <laughs> you know? yeah and it's almost like the longer it takes for for those chips to fall, like the worse it is too. Yes, it really <laughs> fucking is. The longer you can hold out with your illusions, the like the more yeah. fucked up you're gonna scrape your knees when you hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, and and this is where like you know humility is really important to me. Like um and. I'm very aware and like it, like it's not kind of something that I'm trying to consciously be in a performative way. I'm just really aware that everything that can be given to you can be taken away. You know, that's that's it. You know, you, you just need to be fucking aware that like when you got something, this can go, you know, and like the only constant is is change. And like how you manage a situation is 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 important and pe like patience for example it's taken me a long time to learn about patience but patience and observing and waiting are really important you know it's, it's that kind of was it you know fools rush in etc you know that that's that's a big big issue maintaining kind of like your time waiting and being comfortable with not getting the immediate results is fine just wait like and just do your thing and concentrate on i mean the, yeah it's 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 you know like you were saying about like focusing on the outcome like krishna says it to arjuna you know like don't focus on the fruit of the act just focus on the act just do the act don't be attached to the fruit you know because you might not get the fruit it might not happen but you've got to do the job either way uh, that was, uh, um, yeah, that was a beautiful uh, recursive turn of phrase. I it took me a long time to learn about patience. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Quality dad joke there. <laughs> that's 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 a there a refined dad joke. Uh, I, th I think I think that might qualify as a dad's in Cohen. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> there's that's a beautiful little piece of wisdom that is also hilarious it's at least like it's at least a triple distilled one <laughs> mm. you know yeah, it's um it's a bit of a tangent but uh something you were saying earlier maybe also think about like the uh the camera as a magical object because there's there's it, it has like this capacity to shield you 
And I think it makes people do really dangerous shit, but somehow they, the camera protects them or something. I feel like there's yeah. this, yeah. Yeah, I've done a lot of dangerous shit with a camera in my hand. I mean, not as many as as not as much as some some people I know, you know, have like photographed like you know every every significant war zone of the last twenty years. But um, yeah, it has. Uh, and you think about it differently because you're not thinking about yourself as much. You think about the image. Yeah. You no, know, I, I I need to get this image, and that's a risk I'm willing to take. Um. But yeah, just it just equally, you know, I've I've seen stuff that most people won't ever get to experience. You know, um. Like and some of it's hilarious as well. I photographed a story on um, it's a type of wrestling. Because I've done martial arts for years, um, on and off, and I photographed uh, a certain style of wrestling called Kushti wrestling in Delhi, or Kushti wrestling in India and Pakistan as well, um, and it's a very very old form of wrestling, and I found a, a an ashram in um, where was it now again? It was I think it was in East Delhi. Akara Kushti, not an ashram, it's an Akara. And I went and photographed these guys. I'll, I'll, I'll put the link in the chat. Uh, you have a look at these images and I'll tell you what happened afterwards. Um, which it makes me laugh even now, just thinking of it. Like, are these the, are these the guys with the giant clubs? Like they are, yeah, that's exactly yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So I spent the day with these guys. As they're practicing their, they're called uh, palavans, if I remember correctly. They're kind of trainee wrestlers. Wow. And um, but they wouldn't let me take any photographs until I'd stripped down to my shorts and was like doing weights with them. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm literally looking at human sausages, like healthy. Thick human sausage. Yeah, these guys. These guys were all. They, you know, they were they were units. You know, they're big, big men. So, wow. and I was slightly nervous, going like, "Oh fuck me! I hope they're not gonna make me wrestle with them. <laughs> they'll beat the shit out of me." You know. Uh, <laughs> but no, they just made me do a lot of weights. This is like in like Ace Ventura too. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like my my friend would come at me and like he was just holding my camera and I'm just there like doing weights, and standing there semi naked, going, "I don't know what's going on." <laughs> Just look busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, boy, yeah, there's there's loads of kind of like absurd stuff that that happened there, but was um, but you know, I I got to spend the day with a bunch of like Indian wrestlers. That's that's an amazing thing, and that's where I'm super super grateful for, like what the camera was able to do. You know, it was able to get me into places like that where right. I could experience things like that. You know, and and equally, like the you know podcast is very similar. It allows me to talk to interesting people. You know, it, or or it makes people think I'd be interested to talk to. So you know, so we can have this conversation. So, like these things that you create, you know, really allow you to have expansive experiences, which are you know, which, are, which are wonderful. Really, really wonderful. It's really interesting because all of these mediums 
they always frame things right like the camera or the podcast uh, yeah. it always it always limits the subject to the available time and the medium like what it allows but but it also prov prov provides the window right like yeah like uh, every window has a frame like unless you're going to go there and experience it yourself like you have to experience it through some form of window um so like as as long as as long as there's respect given to the fact that you know you're only seeing images you're only seeing like the flat version whether it's a book or an image mm -hmm. or a story like unless you were there it's always going to be the two dimensional thing mm -hmm. and and that that can open up into like the three dimensional version but um but like the best any of us can ever do is give you like the best flat like 2d presentation that we can mm -hmm. manage mm -hmm. yeah yeah but i you know you know when we're living in a time now where traveling is really hard mm. um and also i'm kind of in a, in a stage of my life where I've, I've got you know i've got children to 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 uh to raise and that's that's the the, the more important focus for now but when they get a bit older, I'm able to show mm. them this stuff and go, look what your dad did. You know? I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't always the annoying prick who stopped you doing stuff. <laughs> like, uh, and I think one of the things about doing stuff like this, doing stuff like the podcast, is you're able to show how horizons can be expanded. You know, how actually if you try, you might get somewhere you know you might achieve certain things but like we said you know you don't have you don't have a right to the result you know you just gotta see where it goes like um but it's i look back with all this photography in, in great fondness you know um and i probably enjoy it a bit more now than when i was there you know what i mean in, in certain ways um but I got I got to see some amazing stuff. The 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 camera absolutely opened doors, you know. And I I mean I had a one time where I was sat in a circle of guys in an ashram in Lucknow. Um, I'll see if I can find one of the images. But there was all these guys smoking charis. And um, right so. Let me share this link with you. It's the second link in, in this. The second image in this is one from the set. So this was a sadhu. Um, when I was in Lucknow, which is predominantly kind of a, a Muslim city in Uttar Pradesh in North India. Weirdly, um, <coughs> it was like really a beautiful, beautiful um, kind of like Islamic architecture, gorgeous, gorgeous city, which fell fell after partition. Um, but I was there, and I was I was there to kind of experience the architecture, and there's really amazing food there, incredible kebabs. Um, um, my uh, I gone on a, on a kind of a tour, and this guy took me around on his on his moped, showing me all these different sites, and then his boss got wind there was like this this photographer in 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 town getting a tour so told his his you know his employee to do one that he was taking me around <laughs> right 
And this ended up being like three days of us going everywhere. Me and this this dude. And he was fucking hilarious. He was just brilliant. Like he was he's you know he's like, Yeah, come on, we go here. You know, and I'm like, Well, I was just photographing these guys in, in Varanasi who were like aesthetics and like, you know, you know, hadn't moved their arms for like fifteen years, this kind of thing. And he's like, Oh, I know this guy who um can wrap his penis around a stick and then do, put the stick between his legs and then do these squats. Do you want to meet him? I'm like, fuck yeah. Let's meet I've him. wanted to meet him my yeah, entire yeah. life. Yeah, let's meet him. Thanks for asking. So anyway, that's the guy in the photograph. Right, so we go there <laughs> and we're sitting in, in his ashram and I, you know, I'm expecting to get introduced and we'll talk about things. And none, none, of that, none of that happens, right? We're all kind of sat there and really what happens then is that my guide is just going to get really fucking stoned. Uh, <laughs> right. and, uh, so they have this chilling pipe and they're passing it around and it just comes to me and I'm like I don't know what to do with this I don't even know what's in this yeah totally I'm like, <laughs> like is this weed what is I don't, this I don't fucking know right and so they hand me this and I'm like okay it's GHB yeah nothing <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> I'm like nothing really happens and for some reason I don't know why I blew in it Right, oh, no. everything fucks out the end. Oh shit! Right, and they're just this like audible like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, this. That you know, stoner, it's stoner, just like who brought the dickhead, foul. right? It's just basically the yeah, yeah, in every you know, culture, yeah. Totally right, and this conversation is you, and I can only imagine like the like what the my, my guy who brought me was like, look, he's not from here, he doesn't know, you know, just like, just let him stay. He's, you know, he's okay, he's okay, he's all right, you know, kind of vouching for me and apologizing for bringing me at the same time. Give him an edible. Give yeah. him an edible. So, so this the chillum continues. They stack it again. It goes round. Right next, time, they just skip me on the next round. <laughs> but they um they they, they proceed to get like really really stoned and um i'm just taking the photographs up but the fo that photograph you can see i can't even focus on his face because the smoke is that thick um it was really funny it was it was so much fun um and then it was like he wasn't going to wrap his penis around the stick that day um so you know he just, but they show me <laughs> show me the photographs <laughs> yeah. on like a really shitty phone <laughs> like a really shitty phone like a, the screen's like totally scrapped but the sad dude takes out his phone and he's like shows me here's pictures of me wrapping my dick around a stick and doing the quotes <laughs> just you know exactly what's happening you know? I'm sorry I'm having an off yeah. day but um we can't all be superheroes it was fucking funny yeah. um there, there there's wonderful moments like when you kind of just let the tide take your places you know, again, try not to be reckless. The tide can take it bad places sometimes, but um, this is like, you know, where I ended up, and it was, it was, it, you know, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate this framing of like the camera being something that boxes things in, but at the same time, it's also your past to even see them in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And so you're constantly yeah. in this place of having to ride that line and mm. make these judgment calls of like how to responsibly do this. Yeah, right? totally. Totally. Cool. But yeah, no, it was it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I've uh, a lot of really wonderful memories of of that time. You know, <laughs> it was really funny. But that it's a good sense of humor. India teaches that you you can you know. I was somebody I can't remember who it was, but before I went to India, and I was kind of asking like, what's it like to somebody who'd been there for quite a, quite a lot beforehand, and he said. Um, five things will happen to you a day in India. 
Um, he said like two or three of them could be amazing. Two or three of them could be fucking horrific. It's like you don't know what order they'll come in. That's what it's like. And I remember kind of being halfway through like my second trip in India and going like, yeah, he's bang on. That's exactly <laughs> what it's like, you know, and it, it's. And I think that's wonderful because I think one of the biggest issues we have is we have an entirely predictable life. That's one thing about people who, who work with magic. I think that's a wonderful thing that being in this kind of world gives you because you've got more enchantment in your life. You know, you've got. You, you've accepted kind of magic and mystery and you know, the potential of something where actually life can be extremely sterile, just focused on acquisition, you know, and, and soul deadening stuff. Whereas look at joy, you know, things will, will, will come that won't be that good, but you can react with, with, with just the joy of being alive and look, when I was doing that work, I had an awful lot of joy being alive, you know, um, and the podcast has given me an awful lot as well. So I just enjoyed it. Really interesting chatting to people. Um, and to my surprise, people listened. <laughs> <laughs> very I'm always amazed. Seriously. I'm always amazed. So I'm like, really? I mean, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm amazed people listen to me in the first place. <laughs> well, there's, I think there's a lot to be said for being genuine and being honest about your own experiences, which is uh, the thing that you've held down the time that you've been on. That I think um, there's, there's, I mean, there's a, there's these days there are a lot of magic occult podcasts. Yeah, loads, loads now, yeah. And um, I mean, there are kind of a lot of them that that go by our philosophy of not trying to sound smart. Um, the problem is they don't actually deliver much. Mm. Uh, and like, I I hope that we can be casual and like still provide a space for people to like actually share real experiences because yeah. I think there's that middle ground that needs to be found where we can have old scratches sense of humor but we can yeah. we we can take reality as seriously as the angels you know like and and have yeah. have both at the same time like you're saying like about transcending duality yeah mm. to do that inside ourselves and to be able to like <laughs> to laugh maniacally while knowing exactly where your lines of kindness and compassion lie and like that those are non-negotiable uh, while still you know laughing hilariously at the tragedy because what else the <laughs> fuck do you do yeah totally i mean fundamentally it is it's all funny in the end you know um and uh, yeah if you don't laugh at it you're missing the joke and sometimes you need a, a big black spoon yeah. to stir the pot you do and I was just thinking about what I said there, like, um, and I was like, oh, is that profound? Or is it just moronic? Who cares? They're often the same thing. It's a bit, of both. It's a bit <laughs> of both. That depends on the quality of the listener. <laughs> yeah, That's... yeah. If you don't think it's funny, then you're obviously not getting the joke. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Go listen to Jason Liu or something. I don't know. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's kind of like the, the <laughs> full the full card being the you know both the the most clueless and the most powerful. Hmm. The full is the that's the archetype, right? Yeah, <laughs> certainly is. My life, I am I'm it's it's extremely warm here. Well, that's wow. Um, I'm jealous. It's getting cold here already. We had approximately four weeks of warmth, and now we're back into the land of the doomed. Is it? It's gets quite dark early up where you are. Is it? Well, I, it's actually the magical time of year where I'm learning that uh, I can I can have darkness and I can go out and enjoy the stars, but mm. not freeze my ass off. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, it yeah. seems to be that late summer is the magical time where they're because all summer long it's just light. I don't sleep. I sleep four hours a night. I nap if I'm lucky, and I yeah. just feel full fucking crazy for three months. Right. Um, but now, now that it's coming back, because I haven't really spent that much time like continuously in Scandinavia, I just got my residency card a few months ago. Right. Um, so it's that magical time of year. It's it's dark. Uh, for long enough hours that I can like stay up and then still sleep and I can have the, the windows open and like experience nighttime because I grew up in Florida right. and, and, and like I'm used to I go out for a cigarette at two in the morning and I go inside and I have like sweat stains on my shirt <laughs> like that's normal to me um, so it's, it's just fascinating like this whole night to day extreme um shifting is it's insane and i like i talked to my wife about it like like do, do you get used to it after a while and she's like no like, <laughs> you absolutely don't people here pretend that they're used to it but they actually yeah. just walk around fucking insane all summer and depressed all winter um yeah <laughs> like okay i was um i was in helsinki once during the summer where one of my my best mates from, from universities from um from uh, from finland so i went to see her and um she took me on kind of basically a massive beer crawl massive pub crawl and going going out in in helsinki and just coming out of the nightclub at like 3 a.m and it's like you walked out at lunchtime it's like fucking totally bright so <laughs> disconcerting because like you come out and you're like jesus christ what you know it's like it's just it's so alien um and like everyone's hammered and it's just like <laughs> like the middle of the day but yeah very very strange experience that's i yeah. i found myself humming um i'm not sure if you're familiar with of montreal the band no there's a song called uh oslo in the summertime and i've, I've just found myself since i've been here in the summer like humming that a lot and it's like you know like 4 a.m. There 2 a.m. The sun sun is up, like footballers <laughs> playing in the park, that kind of shit. You know, it just it goes through this whole experience of just being like surreal and depressed in the summer <laughs> where it's always light. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, uh, I heard about... that I heard that song when I was like in my you know early 20s. I listened to it a lot and then didn't think about it for decade or decade or two. And then, like, I'm here, and it just like starts playing in my head constantly. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> awesome. Sorry, Kurt, what were you saying? Oh no, I'm just. It's just that it's it's funny because you know the whole talk about 
you know the the really bright light being in the darkness and then you're yeah. surrounded by lightness <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then it just makes everything miserable and dark yeah <laughs> yeah it's really about the balance of contrast and and that's actually something that was prevalent through all of my years of addiction was like even if i had more opiates i might wait until i was dope sick before i did anymore because it's like it's much cooler to go from the basement floor to the fifth floor than it is to go from the lobby to the first. Yeah, that and, makes sense. and like that 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 kind of like extreme of experience. Um, yeah, I think that plays into a lot of our like getting that balance right is important. Like if you go too far in one and you just want to live in one world or the other, um, then one comes crashing in. And if you get off on going from one to the other, then you get lost in like the extremes, but. Right. Yeah. We've, we've been talking for like three hours. I don't want to keep you up or. Yeah, it's almost, it's past my bedtime, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I thought it might be. Um, this, is, this has been amazing. And I, I would probably keep you for hours because I'm, I'm a big fan of the show. And it's, it's been really an honor having you on. Um, yeah, this I, has been amazing. I, I thank you. I, I really appreciate that. It's been really good fun talking to you guys. Yeah, it, it, it feels really special to have uh, someone I consider to be our magical podcasting like elder in a respectful way, not not an <laughs> no, age. Thank you. I'll, I'll, take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, really. Like you've you've been a big inspiration to me. Yeah, you, we've so. we've we're we're now here as the chaos to dethrone you. <laughs> <laughs> The king is dead. Long live the king. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's been no, awesome it's been it's been excellent, and like it's it's really great to pick your brain about some of your experiences and and, and hear about them in detail. No and what a great show to pick too. God, this Fargo is amazing. It is a good show. It really is. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, Billy Bob Thornton was channeling something specific, and that it really was bang on. Yeah, yeah. I, I expected us to come back around and tie it all back into the show, like we we normally do that somehow. Um, but I think I think I was just really excited to talk to you, and I didn't care. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. You, you yeah. as well, very much so. And um, absolutely. Anytime you want to come back, you just send me a message and tell me what you want to pick. Awesome. And we'll do it. Awesome. Cool. And you guys go uh, come on spirit box sometime. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, we're we're taking you up on that. <laughs> cool, cool, awesome. All right, take care, man. It's been a this has been a really good uh, really good couple of hours chat with you guys. I'm, I'm yeah, so glad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good night. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.